It's the Murph and Fred Show, starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now, here's your host, Murph and Fred. Yes, indeed. Saturday's nine till noon. What's that? They're, they're stretching us today, Fred. Yeah, they're going to take Stop us. Stop it, hurts. They're going to take us right up to Cubs baseball, Cubs and Brewers, and we uh-huh. got it right for right here for you on yep. ESPN One Thousand. And uh, Cubs try to bounce back, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so far this year, Brewers are uh, <laughs> Brewers are what four and one or three and one against the Cubs so far. More than that, uh, the Cubs have now lost. This is according to the uh, Chicago Sun Times this Monday. Cubs have lost 11 of the last 15 times they've played Milwaukee. And, of course, they had to remind us, including the uh, uh, the tiebreaker. Yeah, including that game. So... So yeah, they're going to see. And when you, when you have a, when you struggle hitting Gio Gonzalez, well, you know he's had three good outings in a row. No, no, no I know. But today they're better pitchers. Zach Davies. Goes. Oh, I know. This is their toughest. Yeah, their guy. this is their toughest guy. So Davies and mm-hmm. Hamels will be interesting. We'll talk a lot about it because Hamels. You know, I didn't know this until I looked it up. Yeah, Hamels run support this year. Uh-huh. He's got. <laughs> Five runs, six runs, mm-hmm. twice each. Seven runs once, ten another time, and 14 another time. So Cole Hamels hasn't been in any close games this year, really. You think about it. All of, Every time he goes to the hill, the Cubs hit. So maybe that's a good thing looking forward to today's game. That'll be Zach, as Fred was alluding to. Zach Davies, he's uh, 4-0. Wins don't matter. Well, then losses wouldn't matter either. But well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. I was starting to think more about the uh, category wins and losses. Hey, Wilbur Wood one year, 24 and 20. I know, I know. Yep. Uh, Zach Davies from Milwaukee today. He's a right-hander, 4-0, and oh, one point, a nifty 1.56 earned run average. Cole Hamels, as Fred mentioned, 3-0. and oh. He's around, what, it looks exactly 3.38 Ernie. All right, now Jesse Rogers, he's there. The little guy will join us around uh, 10.01, 10.02. And Jesse gets doing a little uh, some moonlighting sideline work uh, for the network, right? Because we'll be carrying, as you said, for we're the carrying game. the game today, and we're also carrying the game tomorrow night, yeah. a 6.05 first pitch as the Cubs and Brewers. Ra- Cubs, yeah. three straight Sunday nights. The How Cubs about that? On. Last week against the Cardinals, this week against the Brewers, next week the Nationals. Which is usually not good. Let's see the Cubs. I've never, I, I never remember one team, even the Red Sox and the Yankees, mm-hmm. I've never remember one team being on three straight Sundays. Well, here's what happens. If you have to make a road trip uh, or the, well, let's face it, one or two or both have to leave town, you know? So the uh, last Sunday night, the exciting uh, uh, Cardinal uh, victory, but the Cubs were home uh, Monday night, so that was fine. But the team that has to fly out, now this Monday, the uh, Cubs have an off day, so they don't have to worry about the game going late and then flying to get to Cincinnati. They don't play till Tuesday. When, on the following Sunday, the third of the three, uh, Fred, you were alluding to, is a night game at Washington. Then back home Monday with the Phillies, I'm assuming that's a night game. But teams hate that, which is why, now you probably knew this, they moved the starts up for the Sunday night baseball after many, many years. It's been 7 o'clock. It's 6 o'clock this year for that very reason. Teams were complaining, so the league said, well, I'll give you an extra. We'll move it earlier an hour, so at least you have an extra hour built in somewhere there. So Yeah, and, uh, you know, they've, 
They moved a game earlier this week because they had no choice because uh, they said it was going to rain, and then it didn't till later. The rain's coming, Much right? Later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in fact, uh, we were going to... Uh, I wanted to ask this uh, poll question, so let's go to it right now. Vote uh, at ESPN 1000, Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll. Oh, Larry Mayer's going to join us around 11 o'clock. Yes, he is. Over at Bears.com. Vote right now. Uh, on the radio, three three two three seven seven six. Cubs and Sox night games should start at six thirty, like the Cubs game did this week. A, no, leave them all at seven. B, yeah, you know what? I like six thirty. C, well, you know, maybe mix them up a little bit. But they knew the rain was coming. This is something you know, up until a few years ago. I don't know if they uh, didn't consider it, or now it's easier to inform. Ticket right. holders, probably online or on your account that the game is being moved. So it's still a big deal if you bought the tickets. You live, you know, Rockford. We're going to leave at four. We'll get oh, a half hour earlier. But for most people, it doesn't seem to be much of an inconvenience. And if you get the game in, which as opposed to having it rained out in the fourth inning because you know you could oh we just started earlier. Yeah, most people if they're going to a ball game, you want to get there early to get the whole atmosphere. Very sure. few people get to a game and want to get there right at game time. They like to get there early, get yeah. something to eat, maybe you have a mm-hmm. beverage in hand before that uh, the anthem and the first pitch and everything else. Well, you want to stop by uh, Madden's Post. Which opens this uh, Tuesday, the I think, right? guy was there. Jesse was yeah. there. Jesse's got it. He wrote a piece today about Joe Madden's new restaurant. I was in Wrigleyville Tuesday morning. It was uh-huh. a night game unrelated to a ball game. And I'm walking uh, right near the firehouse. I walk right uh, to the corner of Clark and Waveland. And there's Madden's Post. Yep. And there's people in there eating. I huh. said, what the heck is going on? Was it was it employees? Well, it turned out that uh, they didn't want me coming in. Oh, good. Now, I don't know if that's just because it was me. A lot of times they have employees try all the food yeah. so that when the employees want to talk, you know, when people say, well, how do you, what do you think about this? Right. What's your favorite? They can actually say something. Instead of when you go to a restaurant, they say, well, have you tried this? And they say, no. And to be honest with you, I've never tried it. Or that's is- not the way to do it <laughs> as a server. is it more... To try to avoid uh, all the mistakes that are going to happen the first week or That's so. That's true, too. So let's have, you know, VIPs come in, friends, you know, comp them, people again, then, like you say, but try to get all the uh, wrinkles out. Yep. So Jesse's piece, and we'll just touch on this and get right back to uh, yesterday's uh, action, Cubs and Sox. Uh, Joe Madden says, because, you know, this is his last year, it appears. Well, not the way they're playing. Maybe he gets another He's a gone. new deal. He's gone. Be careful what you wish for. I've been saying that for about six months, and now some of the columnists are writing that. Like, oh, I just came up with that one. That's okay. Plenty to spread around, if you know what I mean. I don't believe, Joe Madden says to Jesse, or, or in the piece that Jesse has today, I don't believe the success of that place, you think he would have said of my place, uh-huh. or, or uh, Madden's post. I don't get What does that mean? I have no idea. What's the uh, EL11? Anybody? What's the connection of the name of Joe Madden's restaurant right there in uh, Gallagher Way or whatever you want to call it? It's in the office building right there at the corner of uh, Clark and uh, uh, Waveland. Madden's Post. I can understand that like if you're at a racetrack. The post time is 105. Maybe it's just a place he stands in the dugout all the time. That's his post. That's where Madden (laughs) stands all the time. He's right there. You know where to find him at Madden's Post. I don't get it. 
Jesse will, maybe Jesse will have an Madden's answer. Madden's dugout is too hokey. Uh, yeah, too many. Well, but Madden's post doesn't make any sense. Anyway, Joe says, I don't believe the success of that place, <laughs> your place, is dependent on me having to work for the Cubs. Madden said recently, I don't think that highly of myself. Well, that's cool. You know, I understand that. Now, uh, the uh, next paragraph, expect uh, the, the owners and the partners and uh, uh, Joe Madden, uh, all the uh, people that have their uh, you know uh, toe in the water there. They expect the restaurant to be a hit with Cub fans, whether Madden is employed by the team or not. Until they win another World Series. I mean, I understand if you've got a restaurant... In Gallagher Way, the triangle, you're probably going to have to be pretty bad not to succeed. Yeah. Well, I'm not going in there. They fired Joe. Yeah. If the food's good and they serve beer, there's a good chance where mm-hmm. it's located will uh, still pack people yeah. in. Cubs and Sox uh, night games vote now should start at 630 like the Cubs did this week uh, because of the impending uh, rainstorm coming in from the West. A, leave it at 7. B, I like it at 6.30. C, mix it up. Well, the uh, White Sox, I don't know if they were mixed up, but uh, there were some long balls the first two, three innings off Covey. Yeah. Well, Dylan Covey was walking people, too. It didn't help. He walked five guys and uh, gave up three hits, two home runs, a three-run shot in the first, and a solo shot in the second. And the White Sox, even though they had runners on base, could never score. They were one for eight with runners in scoring position. They had so many chances. Mm. And uh, it yeah. appeared they were swinging for the fences last night quite a bit. And um, uh, that did not work very well, other than for Tim Anderson, who belted one out. Dylan Covey. You know, Willie McCovey was the same spelling. Uh-huh. But this is not Covey. It's called, it should have been Willie McCovey. So the first inning, Dylan Covey, two out, nobody on base. Looks like you're going to have an easy first inning. Yep. Walk, walk, three-run homer, I believe, is yeah. what happened. Tim Anderson. If you were listening to one of the broadcasts, which I happen to be listening oh. to, uh, they actually said uh, three run. Jonathan, uh, he goes, uh, yeah. Justin Smoke at the plate, and he hits one long. And I'm going, mm. well, Smoke hits a home run to left. That didn't make any sense. Randall Gretchen with a home. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess, I guess when you're listening, you better be watching too. Otherwise, you have no idea what's going on. This was the uh, unnamed call. Yes. Thank, thank you, Fred. Uh huh. Oh. Here's some. Th- we're going to touch on uh, one of your favorite topics, which w- which is sort of what you just said. It yep. Touched on today. Fred was right. Okay. Okay, that's sort of where we just. Fred was right, and then I put in parentheses again. Uh huh. You know, again. I said it sort of big. Again, he's always. Fred was right. Uh, we're going to talk about Jessica Mendoza. Okay. Is that her? That's how you pronounce That's it. That's it. Right? Jessica Mendoza. Yep. Sunday night. Sunday night uh, baseball. This week on ESPN. Matt Vaskersian and, uh, and A-Rod. Jessica, who likes to play catch with the players. Jessica. <laughs> Good one. Yes, he does. Jessica Mendoza was right. Maybe. But John DeWan will uh, have something to say about that. He, okay. He has his info there. Yep. Uh, also, uh, A-Rod... Last Sunday, forgot one thing. Mm-hmm. We have a What's Your Beef hidden in here, if we can get to it today. Hot takes. But the aforementioned home run by Tim Anderson. So, Fred, 
You were watching the game, but this was pretty obscure. Did you happen to notice something <sighs> interesting out of the ordinary as Tim Anderson rounded the bases uh, last night? Yeah. Or, uh-huh. Yeah. After, as he was rounding third, I All noticed right. something. And, uh, and you know, a little part of it was kind of based on what everybody else was talking about this week. I wasn't talking about it, but a lot of other people were. So, at about the, what, 45-foot mark uh, between third and home, 90-foot bases somewhere, if that's right in the middle. Very good. Very good. A for the course. He's rounding third, hits the home run, and he flashes a sign. Uh-huh. And I think, well, that's interesting, considering that it's been uh, omnipresent for the last uh, three, four days about sign flashing. He's flashing a sign. Now, normally, I don't know what the signs mean. Normally, I don't care what the signs I never mean. Know. I never know what the sign no, means. No, no. I'm an old, old white I mean, guy. I, I have no idea. Google it. Uh-huh. Fred, I knew what this sign was. Okay. It was the okay sign. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not upside down. Uh-huh. Sideways. Straight up. The regular old 200 years Hey, that's okay. Is it different if it faces to the left or to the right? It was straight up. Okay. It was just normal. Okay. Yeah, I saw it too. I, didn't, I wasn't quite sure what he was doing. Now, we can't find it anywhere other than the live... Live broadcast, right, because the highlights, highlights don't show it because they're showing the replay right. of the homer the next time they show him he's in the dugout. Already. Now, let the record show it was not selectively edited because after the home run... They did exactly now what you pull up everywhere. Right. So, you know, no big deal. I, I just wanted to point out, I wonder if he was intentionally saying, hey, hey, look, that's okay. I hit a home run. I wonder if anybody else saw it. No, I'm sure. Yeah. That's all right. We got a lot of other things to get to. There may there may not have been people watching the game. The NBA playoffs mm. were on and things like that. So, uh, and I was watching. I had it on one TV and um, the NBA playoffs, and I had the White Sox on the, uh, the middle mm. TV. So, hey. Which would mean three, so. You're sort or of, five. Seven could be as many. You never know. Sort of talking about eyeballs watching, uh-huh. right? Yep. We'll get right back to the Cubs. But this is Cubs and Sox. Murph has learned that uh, ratings, I guess, came out this week for television locally and uh, sports. Right. All right. This is very, very bizarre. Okay, Cubs games and Sox games. It's not comparing the two. This is comparing when they are on Channel 9 or when they are on the NBC. Right, NBC Sports Chicago. Right. The Cubs games on Channel 9 draw 68% more viewers than when the games are on the other one. Okay. Sox games, sort of similar, not quite as dramatic. Sox games on Channel 9, 36% more. This is about half, but still right. healthy number. Sox games on Channel 9, 36% more uh, viewers than uh, when the games are on uh, uh, the other, on uh, the NBC. Huh. I, and I'm trying to figure that out. I've always heard that 90% of everybody has cable, you know. That's just anecdotally. I've never researched it. But we'll get to that a little bit later also. You can have cable and not have... Pay for it. Yeah, well, have cable and not have NBC Sports Chicago. I'm sorry. Correct. Right. 
Which, and on the contrary, I stream so I don't get WGN because WGN only streams on one platform, and I don't have that one. Now, I don't know if these ratings would include no, that. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Okay, but, but I'm good, just saying good, on the contrary no, to that. Mm-hmm. Great point. But on the bigger uh, horizon there, Fred was right again. Some thoughts. We'll get to that a little bit later. Even Yurko said I was right this week. He did. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> most, know, fan, most fans didn't think I was right. Called me an idiot. Of all the great... That's, you know, that's who, a typical day for me. Well, who did that? Everybody? A lot of people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Of the great, of the many great things Yurko does, you know what the greatest is? He'll say anything. <laughs> yeah, I heard him yesterday, and he oh, said, "Oh yeah." He, uh, <clears throat> Carmen asked him something. He says, "I don't care if it happens. I don't care if it doesn't happen. I, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care." I, I loved it. So the standings in the National League Central right now are—they're pretty bunched up, if you'd uh, ask me. Cubs and Milwaukee in a dead heat for first place. That means they're tied in the National League. Central, they are both. Uh, let's see, Cubs twenty-two and fourteen, eight game, uh, eight. Uh, they're Cubs. both eight games over five hundred. Yeah, Cubs are percentage points ahead. Yeah, but that's irrelevant. Yeah, that's because they play different, uh, right, different amount of games. And uh, Cubs are two up in the loss column. Well, I've talked about this in the past. I know. Cardinals a game and a half back, bunched up. Pittsburgh three and a half, Cincinnati six and a half. Here's the deal. The Cubs have played 36 games. Fewest, uh, let's see, uh, Cubs have played 36 games. That's near the fewest games played in baseball. Right. Well, because they have so many damn off days. And as you mentioned, another off day coming up on a Monday. So there's a couple weeks in a row where they had Monday, Thursdays off. I got something. You know, are you trying to make me do all my exclusive stuff in the first 20 minutes it's, off my... Did I leave the yellow pad laying out? No, I, you didn't see it. No, I think in April they had like seven off days scheduled. Six or seven off days, and then they had a rain out or two. So, Fred, we never refer, I never do it to the people out through the glass. We got a fellow out there with the greatest hat on. He's got the Cubs cap, which was only used one year, 1957. It's got the pinstripes on it, uh-huh. and they ash canned it the next year in '58. Nice cap, my friend. Probably because it got too dirty. Probably, or Ernie. Maybe Ernie didn't like it. I'm not wearing that cap. <laughs> I don't like those pinstripes on the cap. Bad enough you put them on the uni. Fred, the Cubs have played uh, four fewer games than Milwaukee. I was right. mentioning. Yep, and three fewer than the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. But four fewer than Milwaukee. Well, so what, Murph? That's good, right? In hockey, game in hand. No. Let's go back last August. What the records show, I was not only the first person to bring that up, this up, but uh, the only one. Back in August, I said, look at this. The Cubs have played five fewer games than the Brewers. And the Cubs had about a four-game lead. They, in fact, on Labor Day, they had about a five, five-and-a-half game lead. But they had played five fewer games in Milwaukee. Hockey fans, hockey guys always say, well, that's good. Called game in hand. You can win a few and catch up right. because the other team's not playing. Maybe that's, well, that's mathematically true. So what happened to the Cubs last year? They had to play five more games in September than did the Brewers. And what happened? They didn't have an off day for about 32 days. And, you know, you can say, oh, that's moaning, that's whining, that's, you know, man up. Okay, whatever. The fact is they had to play five more games in September. I'm not going to say that was the reason. I'm not going to say anything. They got tired. Maybe that's for other reasons. 
point is, you don't want to have five, four or five fewer games. Now, this should all even up. But I have learned that Theo and the Cubs sent a private letter to MLB. Right. Stating their displeasure with the schedule. Now, I don't know if that was last year's schedule, and this was written in the winter. Well, if that's the case, it didn't work, because now they got they had so many off days in April. If it was written uh, right now, because this is also unknown, and uh, the early, early, early next year's schedules were released only to the 30 Major League teams. Okay. Not to the media, because they're not done yet. But Jerry Reinsdorf, I have also learned from a different source this week, is very upset with MLB for next year's first week, week and a half of games scheduling for the White Sox. They open at home, as I understand, uh, like for six or eight games. Now, I don't know why he's upset or if he's been upset in the past, but the owners are starting to... Never did you used to hear you know, the owners are sending letters to the league. I think right. they used to sort of sit around and bargain and... All right, we want this, you get that, but I, maybe you know, maybe that's not even true. I know there used to be a husband and wife. Remember back in the right? They used to sit at their dining room table and put yes. the schedule together. Yeah. Let's do now. No one's going to believe this. That's uh, hasn't been around uh, the block. Uh, as Fred, you are right. Break that down again. Yeah, they 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 <laughs> would take all the teams. They know how many games they were playing and where they were playing, what divisions they were playing. A husband and wife yeah. on their card table they, at home somewhere yeah. in Pennsylvania. Yeah, they'd sit at the table and come up with a schedule. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> I'm looking at the Cubs schedule at the end of the year this year, and they have two off days scheduled in September and three off days in, in, in August, all three Mondays. They have three of the four Mondays in August mm-hmm. off. So they have five scheduled off days mm-hmm. for the last two months of the, of the season. Well, so, See, the, which is interesting. The other dilemma is that the, for the Cubs, the Brewers have a roof, retractable roof. So they have 81 games that they are right. basically, unless their roof malfunctions. They don't have to write in. They don't have to write in scheduled off days for bad weather. You can assume we have 81 games at home. And the Cubs, I don't know, I should have done this maybe uh, for today's show. Uh, You know, they've already had a couple rain outs, I believe. I can't remember if they're all home or road. But it all adds up to September, August trying to, uh, you know, gerrymander uh, the games back in there. So, oh, did you hear Jim Desch- On that topic, Jim Deshays says during the Cub game yesterday... They had, they had one game rained out, and that was the game with the Angels yes. uh, on that Sunday, and they're going right. to make it up on June 3rd. Yeah. So, I don't know if June 3rd was already a scheduled off day or not. For both teams. Uh, no, but, no, it's they're going to be... Yeah, it no, was yeah. a scheduled off day. Play him again, yeah. It was, was a scheduled off day, another Monday off. Right. So. Did you hear what Jim Deshaies said? So, he phrased it quickly and succinctly. Which was he talking about the two Darrens from Bewitched again? No. Oh, okay. You know, let me say this about Jim Deshaies. I love Jim Deshaies because every, every one of his, uh, every one of his uh, references is right up my alley. He makes a lot of predictions. Not as overtly as Stoney. And not as many as Stoney. 
but he's right yeah. a lot. Yep. And he doesn't get any of the, uh, you know, phone columns uh, backslapping uh, like Stoney does. And Stoney's, you know, my good friend Steve Stone's terrific. Listen, the Sun-Times has always started with their special Saturday section three weeks ago. So maybe they will do a whole Jim Deshaies, um, you know, uh, bio and everything else in, in weeks to come. So here's what he says last night. Teams in your own division, intra-division, if you will, uh, you play each other three series at home, three series on the road. The Sox go to Detroit three times. Detroit comes to the Sox three times. Cubs go to Pittsburgh three series. They come here. So there are six series with Milwaukee Brewers, right? right? Three here, three there. All six, this is a quirk, all six series, the Brewers had have an off day before game one. Huh. That is they were up there already once the Cubs, they yeah. were here. Both times the Brewers had an off day. There'll be four more series. Each time the Brewers will have the off day. before. And of the six times the Cubs have two off days, and four times they don't. So what? Big deal. Well, it means, like the Brewers, they were able to have an extra day bullpen rest right. for their big horses. They can hold, hold those guys back. Just another quirk. Uh, Eric's saying, "Quick, go to the." F- I know. We're which up is against- funny. Which is funny because they did not. I mean, they did not have to use any of their right. big big guys out of the bullpen yesterday. Well, they no, told Jefferson yeah. haters, "Don't wor- hater, yeah. don't worry about it. We'll get you yeah. later." They said, "Don't be a hater." Well, that's what happens when you have Gio Gonzalez right. going to the six, and nor did the Cubs out by seven. So, right. whoever their seven, eight, ninth inning guys, uh, they didn't have to use them. Marks in Michigan City now on ESPN one thousand. Hey, Mark. Hey, Murph. Hey, Fred. How you doing today? Doing great, Mark. What's good, going on good, today? Good. I got two questions. One for Murph on the Cubs and one for you, Fred, about it when you started your career with a man named Mr. Gonski. But, Fred, uh, okay. I mean, Murph, I didn't see the Cub game yesterday. I was working. I take it the Brewers were ready to jump on some good first fastballs, and the Cub hitters might have been getting a lot of early breaking stuff, and the Brewer pitcher staying ahead in the count. That's my question for Murph. For, for you, Fred, uh, there was a gentleman in the business that uh, worked with you with uh, Mr. Gonski. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, of course, that was uh, less, but uh, he said he worked with you. He mentioned it on his show, and that was a surprise to me during the late 70s there. And those are my two questions. Thanks, Mark. Uh, was that at the uh, juvenile home when yeah. you were there, no, Fred? He that was you? actually at, uh, at Sports Phone. Dick Gonski was the ah. first general manager at Sports Phone, the guy that did all the hiring, yeah. which he was fortunate that he hired me. Uh, my dad, huh. years before that, had hired him to be the color commentator for Chicago Bulls basketball. Uh, back in the early 70s on Olympic Broadcasting uh, Channel on Channel 44. It was Andy Musser and Dick Gonski doing the Bulls play-by-play. And then next day I know when I'm getting out of broadcasting school, Dick Gonski was the uh, um, general manager of uh, Sports Phone. So I got a job and worked with guys like Ron Gleason and, and Les Grobstein and Ed Crane and Tom Green and a bunch yeah. of other guys. Next thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. Yep. Uh, uh, Clampett uh, and uh, Hoyer probably. Murph and Fred. Oh, and both teams jumped on pitches. Really, pitch count. Thanks for asking. Extremely low. First inning, for instance, Quintana threw just seven pitches. Uh, Gonzalez threw just seven pitches. Yeah. So both teams were jumping early. Murph and Fred will get back to the phones. Jesse, top of the hour. Bears talk Larry Mayer at 11. And Fred was right again. Uh, hot takes, uh, beef, uh, A-Rod forgot. Oh, man, let's get rolling. Back in a flash, ESPN. Vote now, 1,000.
right, busy day. Let's get rolling. Murph and Fred got so much to cover. Fred's got a uh, his uh, notes. Uh, NBA, NFL, MLB. You got all your notes there. Not many NBA. Jesse just there was a win. <laughs> in a few minutes. Yeah, Golden State Warriors won. Uh, let's quick bring in. He uh, keeps shooting. He'll eventually go in. Eric Ostrowski, what were the results of our uh, Twitter poll number one? Uh, the Cubs started the game early, 6.30 this week, as they've done twice, Fred mentioned, this year for rain rolling in. Uh, leave them at 7. You know, I like 6.30. Maybe mix it up back and forth. What the fans say there, Eric? All right, at the bottom, with uh, just 12% says mix it up. People don't like things being all they over the place. They don't want to get mixed up. They need appointments. Right. Uh, 24% says leave it at 7, and 64% say they like it at 6.30. Really? Yeah. Oh, we get Brooks Boyer on the blower. <laughs> yes. Call up uh, Kane Crenny. <laughs> get this rolling. Let's get it going. Six thirty. I like that because it, it ends earlier. I like that, that for the see, main reason. That, now that see eleven. That's the bottom line. And that's the bottom line. Have well, a swirsk in me right there. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, all week long I've been talking and going back and forth with people uh-huh. because of the whole situation with the Chicago Fire and their stadium and millennials not owning cars and can't get out there because of public transportation. Mm. You start a game at 6.30, the people that live in the suburbs yeah. are going to play all hell getting there at 6.30. If you remember, the game at 6.30 the other day, now I know this was a game that was changed during the day, but in the whole first half hour of that game, the stands were empty. There were very few people there. That's no Gouda. And, I'm, you know, I'm obviously, I'm talking about a 36,000 crowd. So when I say empty, I mean maybe ten or 12,000. You have got to be flat out kidding me. There are a lot of people who are probably sitting at the bar and mm-hmm. said, well, let me get one more one more of those $2 beers here before I go in and pay nine fifty. dollars $2 beers. No, at the bar. <laughs> Every once in a while, you get a really? bill. Yeah. Not around Wrigleyville. You don't pay much more than $2 for yeah. a PBR, do you? Well, I wouldn't want to. Well, I like PBR. Then they, they got, oh, we only got the tall boys. You can get a whole case of PBR, 99 of them at Binnie's for 59 bucks right now, I think. <laughs> Can't beat that. want to thank our caller, couldn't hold. He said the other thing that, that works in the Brewers' you know, favor, uh, not only do they are they assured of 81 games at home, no rainouts, there's never those two-hour delays either, right. which then you don't get done till 1 a.m., the thing, though, about starting games at 6.30 is what Eric said is cool. You, you know, you get home a half hour earlier if right. that's what, you know, you're into. But you know who doesn't like it? TV. They want games to start at 7 for, I think that's when, like, the rating cycle yeah. begins. Uh, right. More maybe eyeballs, all, you know. Well, let's that. put it this way, though. It all it all comes out in the wash because if you start at 6.30, mm. yes, you get home earlier, ah. but if your next game the next day is at 6.30, yeah. you have the same schedule. You're not getting any extra sleep because you're going to sleep at the same time. You still have to get up a half hour right. earlier. That's a great so point. So all of that's the same for the players. And conversely, you're right. So instead of the game ending at 11, it maybe ends at 10.30 and more people are up watching than if it went till 11, so you picked up some at 7 that you didn't have at 6. Okay, so 6 or 1, half a dozen of right. the other. So it doesn't help the players at all. Right. The players are still, if you start at 6.30, they'll go, okay, well now we got to be at the ballpark a half hour mm-hmm. earlier. Unless you're Joe and he says it's American Legion week and then you just get there at 6.15. Joe at Madden's Post. 
E11, are you, uh, you said you're looking up something there on uh, Madden's Post and did you uh, gain any ideas what the name of that restaurant means? I've been digging around. I can't, I've can't. i read articles about it. I can't find an actual reasoning for it. The only thing I've seen is it's where the streets come to a corner is what it says. But that to me, that why not call it Madden's Corner then? Right. Right. I don't know. I can't find a reason for it yet. Madden's like post. you said, maybe Jesse has it. Now they got smart things. They got smart guys that, you know, they hire. I'm sure a marketing company, and here's your logo, and here's the name, and someone had to sign. Oh yeah, it's great. Madden's Post. All right, fine. It's not my department. To- I'm telling you, when Jesse, Jesse will tell us uh, hopefully uh, after ten o'clock. But I think it's the where he stands in the dugout. They call that Madden's post. Well, okay. Where's Joe? That's his post. He stands right there. No, so maybe I they mean, named that, that makes total sense. Yeah, it'd be a reach. I mean, can't they come out? You're, you're right. But there must be something more clever than Have that. Have you ever heard of another place called a, uh, a restaurant called a post? Yeah, but sportsman's probably across the street for 50 years. Uh, on uh, Laramie, or uh, what was that, Laramie? Or no, it's Cicero. Cicero. Yeah, no. but not a post. No. Right. I never heard anything called it, so maybe that's another reason they want to do it. So they don't want to be like every other restaurant. We're different. So this Goof Almora yesterday. It's the bottom of the sixth. Cubs are losing just one to nothing. There's a lot of guys who made mistakes yesterday. Oh, a ton of them. In yeah. fact, tip of the hat, Steve Greenberg today in the uh, Sun-Times. This wasn't the Cubs at their sharpest. No. <clears throat> Excuse me. Shortstop Javi Baez, thrown out uh, by Grandel, uh, trying to steal third in the second inning. Out of, out of walk. Out of mile. Right. <clears throat> First baseman, Ant- this might have been the worst decision I've ever seen Rizzo make. Anthony Rizzo made a terrible decision, says Steve Greenberg, throwing home on a ground ball. He was a deep first in the, you know, halfway near second. Like the yeah, and Quintana was there. The, I mean. Yeah, the three yeah. and a half hole, and he throws home. Yeah. And safe, really, it was close, but it was really by a mile when you get right down to it. To it. And catcher Wilson Contreras, well, and I don't really blame, he tried to throw a back pick, you know, at first and threw it into right field. That's going to happen. But, but he does it a lot. Yeah. In fact, that'll tie in with A-Rod. I don't want to do that right now. Let's look at this Twitter poll, Fred. Cub fans and Sox fans, vote right now. Sox fans. Tim Anderson. Did anyone say anything, Eric, why he was running around the bases there with the OK sign? Not the upside-down one we learned, but no, the regular conventional, you know, three fingers pointing straight up. OK, I hit a home run. Sox fans, vote right now, A, B, or C. Tim Anderson. Uh, and the game was on Channel 9, so that means more people were watching. Yes. Well, compared to one there on the NBC, right? Cable. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Tim Anderson, he will be uh, as a player. He'll be closer to a Sean Dunstan, B. Stalin Castro, or C. Javi Baez. I threw three Cub shortstops at you, yeah. Sox fans. Frankly, I couldn't think of a good uh, comp. Isn't that a word you're tired of, even when you don't hear it much? I couldn't think of a good comp. From the Sox uh, shortstop uh, history. Uh, who will he be more like? Uh, Tim Anderson, uh, Dunstan, Castro, Baez. And Cup fans voted ESPN 1000. How big of a loss is Ben Zobrist? Well, he's out now for just a couple days on family leave or personal, however they phrased, uh, phrased it. Was it the second time this year? Well, uh, not only, yes, you're very astute. Yes, because it, I want to say in spring training. And he in was, January, excuse right. me, January he disappeared from something. 
Cub Convention, maybe, yeah. whatever. And he was away for a personal good reasons. Period of early early spring training yeah. before the games, and then some of the games. Someone asked me about that too. I said I have no idea what's going on, and no. I don't think anybody does. And you know, none of our business. Uh, it's field. Stay out of White Sox business. No, it's not. It's Cubs business. Yep. Kenny. Cub fans, how big a loss is Ben Zobrist? And that would be uh, it's huge. It's big. Somewhat of a loss, or very little. Vote right now, Cub fans and Sox fans. So I'm watching, and who wasn't, painfully watching you, Darvish, the other day. Which uh, the other day would have been uh, Thursday. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's been uh, digested and uh, hashed and hashed. Uh, Four innings pitched. Well, the way he pitched, it was digested and regurgitated. (laughs) If you look at the line score, as it's officially called, four innings pitched, one hit, one earned run. That's not bad, right? 97 pitches, six walks, seven strikeouts. Let me just say this. You cannot be a major league starting pitcher if you are continually unable to get to the fifth inning. This is the second time, I believe, in his last two, maybe three. I think two out of two where he's only made it, uh, you know, through the fourth. But that's not why I wanted to come in on on, uh, you, Darvish. I wanted to tip the hat to the... So the inning ends, right? Uh Uh-huh. Painfully, usually. The the inning ends, and Darvish is walking off the mound at 97 pitches. You go, oh, my... Gosh, what's happening here? And a brilliant, I don't know how they did it, but the commercial comes right on. All right? Okay. And it's for uh, the big airline. That's, gotcha. you know, the, the Cubs' uh, big airline. And I'm going, how brilliant are these marketing guys? At the, how did they know this was going to run right here? And they do, they run a commercial. Here it is, Fred. And uh, it's all about not me, not you. But you, Darvish, it just comes right out. You. You're the reason we fly to 100 destinations. And why we don't charge you fees to change your flight or check two bags. You, you, you. How did they know? <laughs> How did they know? Yeah. You, you, you. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, he went four innings in each of his last two starts. Yeah. He's gone four innings, so uh, he needs to do more than that. He needs to do much more than that. Mark so. and Fred back in a flash, ESPN 1000. Well, about 10 uh, minutes away from Jesse Rogers. Me, Mike Murphy, him, Fred Hubner. 3323776. Vote now at ESPN 1000. So here's a little note uh, in the Tribune the other day, or actually it's from the Stats Company. During the uh, Diamondback series, that would have been, you know, when the Cubs were in Arizona, Joe Madden earned his 400th victory as Cubs manager. All right? Now here's where it gets interesting. According to Stats, no manager since Joe Torrey with the Yankees from 96 to 99, has won 400 games uh, with the same team quicker. Okay. All right. Well, let's get rid of this guy. Go get rid of him. That, you know, and I know Fred managers how, yeah, you know, two games a year, 50, whatever, right. but 
the, but the, still the fact of the matter is it doesn't happen often that a guy can win 400 uh, games uh, in uh, that quick of a time uh, first since Joe Torrey. All I know, and we'll ask Jesse in a few minutes. I mean, to me, it's more and more ridiculous to think that they're going to do this. It's got to be the money. When I was a little kid, old man Stalzer lived in the backyard, you know. He was probably a lot younger than I am now, old uh-huh. man Stalzer. It's always about the money, young man. I had no idea what he was talking about, you know. Right. If this is just about the money, then shame shame on the Cubs because uh, you know, maybe they'll get a great young guy and it'll work. I don't see a guy like Mark DeRosa coming in for, uh, you know, what, 900 grand? Yeah. Maybe he would. Maybe he would. Uh, he probably makes more at the MLB Network. Well, that that too. Right. So we shall see. Fred Sox question for you, but let's bring in uh, EO11. We have a White Sox poll question. Tim Anderson and uh, two more hits last night. He's keeping his numbers uh, a little steady again. I know he had a fall off there the first week of uh, May. But yep, he who, did struggle. You know, everybody does. Sox fans... Was this, a, was this a bad uh, vo- uh, a poll question from me where I asked Sox fans to vote, but it's Cubs fan- Cubs players? Well, anyway, Tim Anderson will be uh, closer as a player to uh, A, Sean Dunstan, B, Starlin Castro, C, Hava Baez, uh, D. Don't be mixing Cubs into White Sox business. Oh, no, no, that was Kenny just... Uh, Kenny Owens from LaGrange Park just texted in. Yeah, I don't know that he. I don't know that he'll get to Javi um, MVP level, but I think he'll be better than the other two. So I don't know who. I don't know where he will be in that in that uh, yeah in that group. I probably could have worded the because uh, we do have room for four responses. Uh, I guess I could have put D somewhere in the middle, you know. But yeah, but then a lot of people would have done that. Oh so. well, yeah, I don't. Yeah, right. <laughs> I like to make it tough. Yeah. Well, you know, Stalin Castro, he's not a bad player. He gets, no, he's not. You know, he gets two. Well, he has a chance, believe it or not, to almost to, to get 3,000 hits in yeah. his career. He's uh, inattentive. He uh, breaks your heart. He's got a rifle for an arm, you know. Uh, Sean Dunstan, not a bad ball player. No, not bad at all. No. So it's not bad company. It's amazing. All three of those guys you mentioned at yeah. one point was talked about as being a center fielder. Good point. All of them. Well, Tim Anderson also, no? Yeah, was he? that's true. All, all of four. Them. Right, all four of them. Because I know they talked about it with Baez. There were games that Baez actually, in the minor leagues, played some center field for the Cubs. That's right. Minor league system. Dunstan, we always talked about Dunstan possibly being out there. And Castro, too, when you've got guys like... You know, you have, uh, you know, Russells and Baez's and guys like that. Where else could Charlie Castro go there? He could have gone there. I'm glad you mentioned Baez played some center. Yeah. I'll never forget his first or second year, a reporter asked him, what's your favorite? Because he was, you know, second right. base. Th- and he won the John DeWan Fielding Bible Utility for the last two or three years, number one uh, in baseball. Playing second, short, and third. Yeah, yeah. Th- yeah, exactly. Now, this year, you know, it'll be shortstop or, or nothing. Uh, but he was asked, what was your favorite position, you know, as a kid or whatever? He says, oh, center field. Yeah. I always wanted to play center field. Fred, the White Sox, uh, we'll get to in a little while. But I wanted to sort of seed the clouds uh, a little bit with you, maybe in the uh, next hour after Jesse. But when things get rolling for the White Sox, your uh, ideal or what you think a five-man rotation could be. Uh, and how many of those might be free agents that... 
you know, are not part of the uh, right. you know, uh, rebuild. Uh, the first round draft picks, second round draft picks coming up through the system. Uh, because Frank Thomas had some interesting comments on ESPN 1000 uh, earlier this week. Very interesting. In fact, I was a little surprised to hear some of his statements about, you know, the uh, White Sox, is it time to start trying to get this thing rolling or let, right. it, let it percolate, you know, on its own? So uh, you got a few on the, on the, well, how many do you think? I got four out of five. I'm trying to figure out who the fifth is. Well, maybe the fifth one's a free agent. Possibly. Okay. Possibly is. All right. Well, yeah. give, give us a sneak preview, and then we'll get into it a little bit later. Well, this will be when to get good, so it'll be yeah. a couple years down the road. Sure. Kolpec, um, Cease, Rodon, and Lopez. And Lopez is an if. Mm-hmm. He's very iffy to me. Um, but I think Rodon coming back from whatever it is, because he still hasn't been called, gone for Tommy John or anything yet. They're still waiting on that. But we cool. know that Cease is coming. Cease is pitching well. Colbeck's mm-hmm. got Tommy John. Uh, they do have a lot of other pitchers. Yeah. We'll see how All things right. go. We'll get into that a little bit later. Jesse in a few minutes. EO 11, what the Sox fans say, or did they stay away? Because, eh, no, Merv, I'm not voting for a Cub. And really, I was not trying to force you to vote for a, a Cub here. Tim Anderson will be closer as a player to Dunstan Castro-Baez. Uh, what do we have in early uh, result voting here, Eric? At the bottom, only 17% thinks that he will be like Javi. Okay, well, Fred said that yeah. too, but that's yeah. you know, that that's about like what you call him. Possible MVP. MVP. Yeah, yeah exactly. he, was, he, he was MVP runner-up last year. So I don't know that I don't know that Tim Anderson is going to get to that yeah. point. And that's and that's no shame on anybody. No. no. And thirty-three percent of the voters said Sean Dunstan, and then half the voters yeah. said Starling Castro. It's close. And again, all three players. Uh, there's guys that. Our 10, 15, uh, 18-year uh, yep. career-type guys, accounting Tim Anderson, should also be. All right, Jesse, coming up, last to cover, Bears fans. We didn't forget about you. Bears Talk at 11, Larry Mayer over at Bears.com. He does a great job. Back in a flash, it is ESPN 1000. Jesse Rogers uh, will be with Jesse one minute away. And uh, Murph and Fred, normally nine till noon. They're going to stretch us out. Fred, can you can you take it? Give us an extra half hour. Hey, hey. Uh, more pay, right? That's how that works? Well, they said, no, no, no. It makes up for the times we left at 11 a.m. Oh, for soccer. Okay. Let's not ask him again. <laughs> so. uh, vote right now. Twitter poll wide open. Cub fans. How big of a loss is uh, Ben Zobrist not being on the roster right now? Huge, big, somewhat of a loss, or little. Uh, let's go to the guy that's uh, he's also a restaurant review guy. He's all over Wrigleyville. He's everywhere. He's going to go down to the Wrigleyville hot dogs down there on the 3700 block and see if they got uh, the right mustard there. Let's bring in Jesse Rogers. Jesse, good morning, young man. 
Good morning, Murph and Fred. I'm at the park, but not the park that I will be in an ah. hour. I'll be at Wrigley in an hour. Can I give you a little play-by-play? So, Mike wait, Zoll. hold on. You're at the park now. You're picking up six bucks umpiring in <laughs> Northbrook Little League. You're not far off. I'm watching my <laughs> 10-year-old daughter hey. pitch in softball. Look, look, listen to this, Murph. Nice. Fred, they just pulled off a triple play. There first you go. And second, first and second, line drive the shortstop, steps on second, ah. throws the first triple play. My daughter's pitching, got her out of a jam. Kind of like Arcia yesterday. Kind of like Arcia yesterday in yes. that game. Yeah. yeah. Did, did they know what they were doing, or was it just sort of they, they ran into were, each other? There was a lot yeah. of yelling, throw it, throw it, throw it, <laughs> step on second. There was a lot of direction going on. Hey, that coach. happens in the big leagues, too. How about the other day when Rizzo, one of his smart plays, unlike throwing home yesterday, but that's okay. He's, you know, he's a terrific guy, a gold glove type first baseman. How about that bunt to first base that went all the way in the air, about 89 feet? He let it drop intentionally, and then nobody knew what was mad on first. No one knew what to do. The announcers uh, that I was watching, they had no clue for about two innings until finally well and what you do see you don't have to touch a bunt it can land and len goes those can't be infield fly well yeah len there's only a man on first we understand it can't be an infield fly rule what you do right there is you pick it up on the hop and then if the runner stays on the bag you tag him and then step on the bag out out double but if you step on the bag first then he stays safe but what do we know we're just umpires right fellas <laughs> it's a great play, great, great play by Rizzo. Not a good play by the runner. Yes. But Rizzo did make a mistake yesterday going home on that yeah. ball. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. But, yeah. He was only 115 but, feet, and the man was two feet right. from home. Yeah, but that, that again, it doesn't <laughs> matter right. if it doesn't matter if you don't score a run. True. Because right. you can't true. win if you don't score a run. Jesse, let's go to the fun stuff first. You wrote a yeah. great piece about uh, uh, Joe Madden. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, you'll see Joe uh, often. I have two questions for Joe. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, number one, why did he stop? Why did he stop using the black dye in his hair? And number two, why did he start in the first place? <laughs> I think uh, he heard enough criticism, to be honest. I think he uh, heard enough of it and went back to his old ways. It's, 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 it's not that the promotional deal and the endorsement deal expired? I don't think maybe, he got any maybe money that. out of it. I know. I know. He, well, he, never, he never said he did. No, but, no, right. Yeah. Uh, Joe Madden has... Has a, and here's the headline, Joe Madden has a new restaurant in Wrigleyville, uh, but not a new contract. <laughs> now, Jesse, I know you don't write the headlines, uh, but you got the uh, Joe Madden recently said, I don't believe the success of that place, which I thought was a weird way to talk about Madden's post, his new restaurant, that place. But anyway, I don't believe the success uh, is dependent on uh, me working uh, for the Cubs as manager or not. First things first, we've been trying to understand, kick around, figure out the name of the restaurant. Now, the uh, owners and the partners are listed in here, and I'm sure they had a marketing firm, right, Fred, you know, that said, here's the logo, here's your scheme. Here's the decor, and uh, here's some names. What in the heck does the name Madden's Post mean? We don't, we can't get, we don't get it. I think it's just like I was talking to Eric. Post up to the, you know, post up at the bar or whatever the case may be. You know, it's a place to go. Madden's Post. All I right. I, I, that's all I know. I know he wanted to call it the Flamingo Room, but um, in fact, one of his upstairs VIP area is actually called the Flamingo Room. But right. that that's the name that he liked from from his days growing up. I'm not sure how they landed on Madden's Post, okay. other than it's sort of just a place to go and post up. You know, that sort of thing. The uh, partners and Joe say expect the restaurant to be a hit. 
with Cub fans, whether Madden is employed by the team or whether uh, Ricketts and Theo decide it's too much money. Oh, no, no, I put that part in. <laughs> yes, yes, they, they are counting on the service and the food like any uh, yeah. restaurant would be, but uh, especially this one because he might be gone. Ava down in Tampa is a good blueprint for him. That is a great restaurant, has great reviews. I've been there. Forget me, though. The critics say it's a good place. And he, he left days after it opened, just like Ditka. So ironic right. when I did the research. Yeah, yeah. Ditka left just as Ditka's open. He leaves, Joe leaves Tampa just as Ava opens. So he's not too concerned if the food and the service are good. Yeah. And obviously being adjacent to Wrigley Field, I just thought it's just so interesting. It's right there. Theo and Jet have offices in the same building. They're going to decide his fate in the same building where his restaurant lies. Well, they, found come, the whole well, thing well, they come down and post up for a beer after they launch him. Yeah, exactly. They're going to toast the new, the new manager down in Madden's place. <laughs> well, uh, but, but, but you know what? Can I jump in with – it's just that the fact that we're talking about this today. I actually think as of yeah. this week, and not just because they, they recovered from the good start, I actually think he's more likely to get, to get an extension than not. I, I think – this is just my own feeling – that Jed and Theo are already seeing exactly what they wanted to see. And I don't think he's doing it to get an extension. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's being this more hands-on guy because of the off-season conversations they all had. And they, they decided, we want more of you, the players, the uh, the front office. So I actually think he will be around past this year. Now, long way to go. I, they, yeah. they could end up in last place. I'll be wrong. But I just have that feeling where three months ago, I didn't feel that way, Murph. Well, and Theo did say the other day that... Um, they have decided, and you, you know, you've reported it in the past too. They've decided they will not talk about any of this till the season's over. That doesn't mean that in three weeks they don't make a deal. It's just what they decided, right? Yes, of course. That can, that can change any day. I actually think they'll probably stick to that. I mean, I guess there's a scenario. They're 15 games up in August. They right. sign them to a two year. You know, there are scenarios, but I actually think for the most part they'll stick to to doing it after the season. My guess would be. A two-year extension, but we're we're ahead of ourselves. I mean, it's just early May. I don't want to say ahead of ourselves. I think it's a, okay. a terrible uh, mis- a judgment on their part, and I think that uh, we should talk about it now. I've said since uh, November: be careful what you wish for. Yep. Now, all the columnists are using that phrase, except for you, Jesse. So why don't you just use it too? Because everybody, I'm, I, I should use it because it's a good phrase yeah. to use. Yeah. You could. There are so many bad directions oh. you could turn. Oh. And a, an unemotional Theo, I think we'll see that. Mm. Um, but but I think, you know, remember, Theo is so calculated. The whole offseason was about making people feel uncomfortable, mm. including his manager, to push them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So may, maybe it worked. Yeah. Maybe it worked. Right. I, don't think Joe, I don't think Joe is prone to being pushed, but I think he's open to discussion. Yeah. And when his players say, we want more of you, we want more of you hands-on with us, I think he responds. Just for my two cents, I've never, if you have a contract that runs through the year, I've never understood why you needed to have another one. And there's nothing wrong with being a lame duck guy. Um, you know, and I understand media people and everybody always has to ask, ask the questions, but your deal runs through the year. And at the end of that, they can give you another deal or not give you another deal. Uh, they're protecting themselves too because they don't want to give money. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year decide, well, we screwed up. And we should have launched them. So, you know, he has a deal, and I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with them not talking about it until the year's over. 
I'm with you, Fred. Look, there's been many guys that get extensions and then they're fired a year later. Right. And the team is on the hook for $20, $30 million. It happens a lot. I'm, I don't disagree with you. And I actually think, Joe, you know, maybe there's a part of him that feels disrespect. But at the end of the day, I think he's okay with it. I, I might be wrong, might be naive. I actually think he's semi-okay with it. In fact, I loved how he twisted the storyline, the narrative, and uh, during the offseason. He said, Look, I'm going to be a free agent just as much as they can decide my fate. I can decide mine as well. Exactly. What if someone, what if someone else comes in and offers him seven million? You know, I mean, it's doubtful, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like he's okay with it. I really do. He's made a lot of money already. He could get a job broadcasting, managing, consulting, whatever. Uh, what no matter what happens this year, he could be a limo driver. He can he could drive his van. <laughs> you know, drive with Joe. Be Madden. a chef. Yeah, he could be a chef. In yes, he could. What do you figure? Three million? They'll knock him down from the six million. Yeah, that's the tricky part, Mark. That <laughs> oh, I know, really yeah. is. I mean, you go five for five making the playoffs, huh. you get a cut fifty. I, I don't know how you can do that. How I, nobody in baseball gets cut. I mean, ba- players, you know, players front office, nobody gets cut. Right, but see, uh, maybe, think about it, Jess. They can't do that with an extension, but they could do it when the year's over. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're not going to say you're not going to say, okay, you're making six. We'd like to extend you for three, but when right. the year's over, you can say, okay, you're out of a deal. Now, for the new deal, we're going to pay you less. I think it's semantics. I still don't think you okay. can do it. But they might. They oh, yeah. might. Well, they if, might. if they don't, someone else will. The other trick is, if they don't renew your contract, they go, we didn't fire him. Right. We just yeah, didn't renew but, his contract. And the other thing is, if it's a two-year extension, mm, come on. Yeah. You're talking another 12 or $13 million. Uh, Now, I say that knowing they, they don't have enough for Craig Kimbrell or anyone else. <laughs> But still, it's twelve or thirteen million. It has nothing to do with the luxury tax. You should be able to pay Joe. Right. This is from Stats and uh, Stats. They simply call it Stats now. During the uh, Diamondbacks series, Joe Madden earned his four hundredth victory as Cubs manager. According to Stats, no manager since Joe Torre with the Yankees from nineteen ninety six to nineteen ninety nine has won four hundred games with the same team quicker than Joe just did. So anyway, we'll leave it at that. Oh yeah. Jesse, find peace today. Uh Joe Madden's a new restaurant, ESPN dot com. Uh, when you get the free burgers for this, what time should I meet you there? Now, a uh, full disclosure: this has nothing to do with the piece. I am going there. I am going there tonight for the soft opening to give a review on the air on Monday. But there you go. Here's my it, guy. It has nothing to do with the free free See, burgers. That's you learned sure. a lot over on Belmont Avenue. Well, uh, the only way I was going to write the only way I was going to write about the restaurant, I, me and my editors, my editors and I decided was if I went to Joe and said simply this: yeah. What happens to the restaurant if you're not here next year? And he gave a good answer. He said, I'm not arrogant no. enough to think that it's about me. It's about the food and service. No, I'm just kidding. Great job, great job. Uh, you Darvish. Now, let me just make this a general phrase, a, a not necessarily you Darvish. If you're, a sta- if you're a starting pitcher and you can't go four innings, you are not a starting pitcher. <laughs> what could be more simple than to phrase it like that? In general, you got to go four innings or you ain't a starter. I'll give you another way to phrase it. If you can't throw a fastball for a strike, you're not a pitcher. You're not a pitcher. Well, how about people this week? Excuse me. There was a, just tell them to throw fastballs. Come on. Don't you people under, he doesn't have confidence right now. You're going to tell him, keep putting number one down and tell Contreras, number one, number one, number one. He's going to be out there and go, I can't do that. I can't get over. He'll be bouncing him up and down where Pat Piper used to sit and Jack Brickhouse. And <laughs> you can't tell a guy to throw fastballs. But, He's got location 
with almost everything else. What I mean, how can this happen? A fastball, you only got yips on one pitch. That's bizarre. Yeah, it is. I'm still trying to figure out. They're sending him back to Bob Tewksbury for, for a little uh, reconditioning or whatever you want to call it, mental yeah, help. I uh, loved his gum back yeah, in the day, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It's a great question. It's so ironic that this is a guy that can throw about six pitches, but the, the supposed easiest one to throw, a fastball, mm-hmm. he can't find the zone with. So he is surviving, though, a little bit at least. It was a one-hitter with six walks. But that's the Marlins. You know, if he gives six walks to the uh, I don't know, Brewers, whoever, he's going to get pounded. So yeah. he's got a little time here to figure it out, but not much, not much. I mean, luckily they've recovered and uh, they can they can carry him a little bit because the yeah. other four are doing well. But can't really carry him the whole year if he's pitching like this. Cubs and Brewers baseball right here. ESPN 1000 starting pregame around, uh, well, not around exactly, at 1230. Yep. Uh, you, you have a few more minutes or are you yeah, going to yell funny. at the umpire for something now <laughs> at the uh, your daughter's uh, Wait, wait, wait. wait. You, you, you guys know me. I'm yelling at my daughter before I yell at the umpire. So she's the pitcher? <laughs> Is she pitching? She pitched the first two innings. She's done now. Does she do the big windmill? Yeah, the whole windmill uh, thing, yeah. Yeah. Does she have the face mask, like the catcher's face mask? Face mask, yeah, the whole thing. They're just 10 years old, so they got to go with the full yeah. you know, gear. Sure, I hear so, you yeah. You wore it, too, just in case the umpire. <laughs> He's wearing it now. <laughs> hey, you're looking better. Jesse, I don't know why, but you look be- You look different. You look good, man. What's up? Uh, you guys are killing me. Ah, <laughs> you're killing us. Oh, by the way, uh, you remember Olivia Newton-John? Just, sure. You go back sure. that far, right? Have you never yeah, been mellow? No, no, no. Yeah. yeah. But she had a, a famous workout uh, uh, song. Remember the, the video? Remember this one? Yeah. She's dancing around in her leotards. And she's got the, all the thing working there. She left a message, evidently. Uh, she's been trying to, this is for you. She's been trying to reach Albert Elmora. Okay. We have the message here. And she only knew how to reach him through you. Uh, she wants him, uh, if he can, to join. She's, make, she's making a comeback. She's going to redo the Let's Get Physical video. All right? <laughs> and she wants, uh, here it is, Albert Elmore, can you join me as a backup dancer? All right? A backup dancer uh, for my new Let's Get Physical video. And she says, but if not, please return my red headband. <laughs> he does have a, a new look going this year with that chia pet hairdo yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I don't know what the I don't know what the headband's all about. I gotta ask him. About well, that's that. a little different. All right, let's... Well, he's got the headband, and then you know, Moncada's got it on the other side of town too. What? So it's, it's a new white. thing, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, well, I would he, hate if that's a new thing. Moncada and uh, <laughs> and Abreu, right? Are both yeah. Abreu's got Abreu's got it too. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, if you got another minute, uh, lightning sure. round, lightning round. Lightning round number one. Look out, that lightning's coming your way. Uh, when does Javi Baez get a day off? He's started every game this year. Uh, Russell's back. Uh, will he finally get a day off somewhere? Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Joe's been thinking about it. Um, now that Russell's back, it's mm-hmm. probably going to happen soon. But they have a day off Monday. So look for the next day-night situation or when Baez is slowed up a little bit. But, but it's going it's to come soon. Probably the next road trip. All right. Uh... Jose Quintana, or as uh, Pat Quintana, uh, my buddy Pat, he was Jose Quintana. He's had some nice outings. Now we've been saying, I've been saying, Fred, uh, you know, if indeed uh, Eloy and Dylan Cease are going to be the real deal, 
you, you know, you got you got to get a guy back in return, Quintana, that could go, uh, you know, 15 and 5, 18 and 6. Uh, that's three good outings out of every four. He's been doing that now, Jesse. What got into him and can he sustain? Well, you've heard the you know me talk about it. He's added a changeup, and I think he's learned from Hamels and Lester that being aggressive in this day and age is your best solution. They're, they're, teams don't put five, six, seven hits together in an inning. They do take you deep, but if they take it deep without a guy or two on, you can survive that. And in fact, his home run percentage is up a little bit, like everyone's, but he's not giving up more runs because he's not walking guys. I don't. It, it it sounds like pitching's complicated, but sometimes it's not. Add a pitch like a changeup throw strikes and now you see what what's happening he's just staying aggressive which is yeah. great yeah you're right not walking people is such a key and uh he hasn't uh Hendricks has stopped walking and not that he's walked a lot of people anyway and I'm looking here for the entire year could this be right uh Cole Hamels who pitches today has a total of 14 walks now he yeah, did walk six of, in the game two weeks right ago. like it, a bunch of them came in two games the right. opening game and then the other day but Hamels really is focused on that so is Lester and yet maybe you have to be it's backwards thinking almost with Hamels. He knows he's going to give up home runs, so he's not going to nibble. He's actually going to go after guys because if he gives up that homer with two guys on, his outing is screwed. Right. So he'd rather throw his not mediocre stuff, but his less than Hamels stuff down the middle of the plate. It's as simple as that. It, it, you know, nibbling it just gets you in trouble. It doesn't matter if you're a fireballer or 35 years old. Nibbling's just going to get you in trouble. I think it, mm. he thinks, especially in this day and age. But whispering in her ear is okay. <laughs> Lightning round! We have a Twitter poll question on board. Let's bring in EO11. Cup fans, how big a loss is Ben Zobrist? A, B, C, or D? Huge, big, somewhat, or little. Before you give us the results, Eric, uh, Jesse, do you want to vote on this? Uh, no, let's, not- let's bring in EO first. I'm sorry, okay. Jess. I'm sorry. No, sorry. What do we got, Eric? Um, so at the bottom with 10% is little, 17% said huge, and then it's, it's 38% big, 35% somewhat. Okay. So it's quite a split between two different opinions. Uh, it gravitates towards the middle. Well, I say huge. Fred, that it, uh, I said somewhat. Somewhat. Yeah. Huge, big, somewhat, or little, Jesse Rogers. Yeah, I, it's a great question, by the way. I would lean towards big. I'd lean towards big because of the, um, intangibles more than what he's actually can do at the plate or in Mm -hmm. the field. And remember, he's got a good run at the plate left. I think that he's going to help. But I just add the intangibles, things we can't even quantify. So I would say big. I'd say big, but not not huge. Not bias Rizzo or Brian Hughes. I sort of agree. He has slowed down this year. Uh, I actually mean physically. He looks a half step slower. But, you know, 37, 38 is on the fourth year of a four-year deal. But here's where it's huge. He plays second base, left field, and right field, and he's a switch hitter, and you can move him around everywhere. He may not help you defensively, but he usually doesn't hurt you, you know, if you know what I mean. Doesn't have the big range, but he doesn't box too many and blow too many plays. His arm threw someone out, what, first to third or home, second to home recently. But if he does not come back for a while, and he's away, as everyone I think knows, on, on a personal uh, leave, uh, whatever you want to call it. Ian Happ. Now, here's where Ian Happ was signed in the first round, number seven or eight, three, four, five years ago now, to be the replacement for Zobrist. Why do I say that? He's a carbon copy as far as switch hitter, second base, left field, right field. Right. This is where 
Hap was supposed to be the guy for when Zobra slowed down. Yeah, it's, it's some good points there, but I'll counter it a little bit and, and mention Addison Russell's name. He's actually we haven't I've, I've not said one word baseball wise about Russell because it's been all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. He's actually looked okay. He's looked okay at second. I've liked his at bats. Mm-hmm. Took a walk, doubled the other day. Um, baseball wise, I lo- I've liked what I've seen from, from Addison. And yes, he can't play those other positions, but they have Bryant to be able to do that. Murph to go out to left and right, yeah. and Bodie to be able to go over to second. So. You you can absorb the losses over with Russell, even with Hap down in the minors. I actually, uh, you know, Russell looked terrible for two years, and obviously we know why now. But now that this is kind of not behind him, but you know what I mean, it's out in the open. He's doing his rehabilitation. He actually looks a little bit more comfortable as a baseball player. So I'm, I'm going to point to Russell as much as you could point right. to Hap. You know, well, and the other thing you talk about with Bryant, he made a really nice catch at a ball oh. you know, towards the left field corner yesterday. Yeah, uh, Schwarber he, probably doesn't make that catch. Right, he had, to, he, had to, make it. he had to go a long way, and he got there, and it was it was a really nice catch. So you're not worried. Joe's not concerned about playing Bryant anywhere because Bryant is a baseball player. Just put him out there, put him in center, left, right, wherever you want to put him. Third, he can do all those things. Just, what a turnaround. What a turnaround <laughs> for him, he said. Man. Jesse's wearing a good humor. He's passing out ice cream cones right now. <laughs> <laughs> to his daughter's uh, softball team in, uh, in Northbrook. Orange slices, but close. <laughs> yeah, see, they don't, get, they don't get ice cream anymore. Now they got to eat healthy. Good, more for me. Lightning round. All right, next. I only got 40 left, and we got about three minutes. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, oh, my God, I'm already, uh, Okay, so how about, uh, oh, he's still wearing the headband, but the lollygag by Elmora yesterday. And I bothered Jesse with a text. He's working, you know, and I, did you see this? This. Oh, by the way, Fred, I'm glad you mentioned the catch in left field uh, by Hi, Brian. Brian. The wind, and they never tell you on TV, they never tell you on radio, maybe at the beginning <laughs> of the game, the wind was howling from the right field foul pole to the left field foul pole about 10, 15 miles, and that kept drifting and drifting and drifting yeah, it, it which made that catch even more uh, uh, difficult, which then uh, brings you to uh, talk. Uh, you know what? Do the players even look at the flags anymore, Jesse? Do you think? I hope they do. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, certainly they do. Elmore te- will test out things at new parks that he hasn't played out, and they look at the wind as well. Sure, okay. they look at the flags. All right. Well, and then they also have the little thing in their back pocket where they <laughs> they tell them where to play everybody. Yep, which, they have which, that too. Which is amazing. You think about it. It's taken. It's it took that long the last couple of years for this to happen. when they've been playing the game forever. But how do they factor in the twenty uh, mile an hour wind on the three by five card in their pocket? Well, they don't. That's, yeah, what, that's what the bench coach is for. All right, last one, Jesse. <laughs> last one right here is uh, David Bodie going to be a $15 million mistake? Absolutely not. Not in my mind. Okay. I think, now look, he's had a bad week defensively. That surprised me. He has, but guys have that. I, I really like him defensively. And, and uh, you know, again, coming off this week, I'm still going to stick to that. I think, he, again, he hits the ball hard. We know mm-hmm. that. The numbers yeah, say that. Yeah. So, no. I, first of all, how many $15 million mistakes can you have? It's $15 million over five years. Peanuts. <laughs> peanuts. Peanuts. What are we going to do with peanuts, that. Alice? Yeah, I make that in at least four or five lifetimes. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm going to say no, right. Murph. I, I like right. David Bodie even as a part-time player. Just because I say it doesn't mean that that's, that's my approach. I'm no, just, I know. I yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. But... 
just saying, you know, I hope things. I, he's got to hit a little better or do something. He's never going to be the fielder that uh, they thought. Oh, by the way, back on Russell, you were right. And Joe said he's all. Uh, Anderson Russell. He's already fielding top notch. He says it's going to take another week or so to get the timing down for for hitting. I want some uh, orange slices. <laughs> My daughter's up as we speak. Just, oh, and she she just walked. Takes after old man. Good strike zone uh, <laughs> discipline there. <laughs> All right, I got to get to the big game today, guys. KB oh. KB would be proud. All right, wait, wait. What's that? What's this? How long is this segment right now? <laughs> what is the next commercial? <laughs> Jesse, great job. Great, good combo, guys. Yes. As always. See you, Jess. Free fries. Have a great I weekend. hope you had your coffee when you were talking with us. Free fries oh, for yeah. you. Free fries for you. See you guys. Good job, Jesse. We got Cubs, Brewers, baseball right here. 1230, Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. Fred Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Normally, halfway home on a busy Saturday, stretching out till 1230 today. And then we uh, throw it to, is that the technical uh, radio online? We're throwing it over to. Yep, throw it over to uh, ESPN Network Radio as we've got the Cubs and the Uh Brewers today. And the Cubs and the Brewers tomorrow. So you can catch them both days right here on ESPN 1000. And the Cubs have made a move today as they called up uh, left-handed pitcher Xavier Cedeno. Actually activate him off the 10-day IL. And uh, they sent Alan Webster to the IL uh, with what they call, you, you could just call it a bad, you know, nerve problem, but it's called um, uh, radial nerve inflammation. Hmm. So I don't know. I've never heard of a radial nerve, but well, let me tell you something. Uh, they only have one lefty in the boat. This makes sense. In fact, I'm surprised it wasn't done 24 hours ago. They only have uh, one. Uh, <clears throat> no, they have two lefties in the bullpen. One, of course, is uh, Mike Montgomery. Who was tremendous yeah. the other day. Oh, yeah. He saved yep. the bacon, won five innings, uh, and got the, the win. In fact, I think I read somewhere it's one of the first uh, longest outings in, like, 20 years, uh, five innings. and uh, Oh, get, for a bullpen guy. And, and get yeah. a W. Yeah. And get a W. Something like that. Some crazy thing. But that meant it was just like a start. So that means he needs one, two, three, four days off to throw on the fifth day like a rotation starter, which means he couldn't throw till Tuesday. Right. So they're sitting there a man short. And Ryan, who I, is the other lefty, who I know Jesse's a big fan of. I'm 50-50 on him, but, you know, I, 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 he, I don't have faith in Ryan. Uh-huh. He's also the goofball that throws. Did you see that play? Yeah. One, the comebacker, one out. Man on third, running home. He just got thrown to the catcher, and they tag him out in a close one-run game or whatever it was. He looks, freezes, and throws over to first base. You got to have those things, and that's what they tell you all the time when you're playing baseball. You've got to think, if the ball's hit to me, what am I doing with it? Yes. And he apparently wasn't thinking about that. He was more worried about the pitch. Ball gets hit to him. He could have went home. And I know a lot of times, like like Rizzo did yesterday, when you go home and it doesn't work, it's a bad play. But Ryan had nothing but time. The guy's at the yeah. 45-foot mark. Right. And he he admitted, you know, he could uh, you know, I thought there were two out. 
But he never, he said, I just froze. Yeah. How can you have a pitch? How can you have a major league player on your team? Now, do you have confidence in Ryan if you're a, one of the 24 other Cubs? That, oh, let's get into the playoffs and see if this guy freezes or not. Yeah, don't even start now with uh, no, uh, about number of outs. Earlier this week in the White Sox game, yeah. Yohan Moncada is on second base. There's one out, and there's a pop-up to the third baseman by Jose Abreu. And Yohan Moncada rounds third. The ball's caught. He's standing at third, and they throw to second, and they get the force out. And I'm blaming Moncada because not only should he know how many outs there are, there are scoreboards all around the ballpark to tell you how many outs there are. And I want to know what the third base coach is doing when... The ball goes up in the air, and he sees Yohan Moncada coming to third base, and he knows there's one out. What is Ewing? What is McEwing doing at third base? All he's got to do is say, get back. But instead, he never did, and Moncada easily gets tagged out to end an inning. Some of the worst base running I've seen in the history of Major League Baseball. What's McEwing doing? Courtesy of yours, Chicago White Sox. When it comes to first, you're the worst. Oh, that my was- God. So obviously the third base coach didn't know how many outs there were either. Well, or or he, he or he was looking at the ball up in the air and not looking at the runner going from second to third for no apparent reason. That's probably closer oh to the God. answer. Yeah, I'm sure it is. That's not his job. His job is a, okay. It's a pop up. Where's my guy? He's standing at third. So the Cubs to get back. Get another lefty. Uh, what's his name? I already forgot. Uh, left-hander. The Cubs just recalled a... Xavier uh, Sedano. Thank you, thank you, Sedano. Pitch for the White Sox. He's, heck, he's a he's good pitcher. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah he's all right. But they put Webster... Let me tell you something. This guy, Webster, can't get anyone out. Webster's a righty. He's a journeyman. He played for Theo, I bet you, at Boston somewhere way back. Or Jed at San Diego, and he was with the Dodgers. Yeah. He hasn't been able to... He's got nothing. He's got nothing. He can't get anyone out. If he gets someone out, it's by luck. Right. And he got hammerjacked again yesterday. So they're trying to tell MLB that they're putting him on the disabled list. And they're trying to tell Cub fans that the what? Injured list. He pitched. Yeah, Hurt. Uh, so in other words, either A or B. A, he pitched hurt yesterday and shouldn't have been in there. Right. Or B, they're faking it just to get rid of him, which they should have done days ago. Okay. But what do I know? No, I'm sorry. It was Nick Capra, the third base coach. Thanks to Eric. I was going to ask Yeah, it's you. not McEwing. Nick Capra. That's all right. I was yelling so much at Nick Capra the other day, I forgot his name. And in relation I forgot, to Buzz Capra yeah, from I Chicago? I forgot, I forgot that he was even a third base coach mm-hmm. because what he was doing at third base wasn't what you were supposed to be doing. Right. Eric, I appreciate the call. You're always you're always on me, which is good. And someone's got to watch over me. Well, that's what our lovely Pat does. No, she doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> she has no idea. Our Twitter poll vote right now. Should local live sports TV place their reporters and commentators, you know, the, the Doug Glanvilles of the world, uh, the Bulls, uh, uh, you know, uh, Will Purdue and, then, and the Blackhawks. See, this is under the category, Fred was right. Again. Yeah, well. Now, you and I talked about this, not ad nausea, because we would never want people listening to us to be nauseous. Well, any more than they usually are. But we could say ad infinitum. Right. Which are both different, but people intermix them. We talked about it a lot during the Bulls and Blackhawks. Well, they've been uh, NBT Sports Chicago. Uh, I like all the people that are oh, on yeah. it. But the, the idea to have 
your pre and post game show in front of fans, especially post game shows, oh. fans that have been drinking for no. three ser- really? three qu- three yeah three periods or wow. four quarters is just beyond stupid. Yeah. So and, you're something like this is going to happen. It's bound to right. happen. And we said time and again, something's going to happen. Yeah. You got these people there, the live TV. They don't, you know, they don't. There were times when Mark Shinowski and the Bulls guys were doing a postgame show. Yeah. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the postgame show, people were throwing stuff out of the desk. Right. Pat Boyle can barely hear the guy sitting a foot from him because people are yelling behind him. I was waiting for one of them to, you know, the balloon man yeah. there, where they do the balloon, then you're wearing like right. red and white balloons like the Bulls. Yeah. We should have just put it on Shinowski's head during the uh, post game. Yeah. Now, I understand that Pat Boyle and Mark Shinowski, they can't criticize him because it's the company they work for mm-hmm. and the producers they work for. And right. The boss and the management they work for. But it's one of the dumbest things in all the sports. All right. That being said, I love your post game. Love the pregame. Do it in the studio. I f- think I figured something out here, Fred. I'm watching the White Sox game Monday at Cleveland. Right. NBC Sports Chicago. And Tuesday, I'm watching the Cubs on NBC Sports Chicago uh, at uh, home uh, with uh, Miami. All right. <clears throat> I also understand the ratings came out Monday morning. Okay. I don't know if this ties in. So I'm thinking of you. I jotted some notes down here. I think I figured out the problem of the of some of these shows. It's not the fault, I'm going to say, of Stone and Benetti. And it's not the fault of Casper and Deshaies. I figured something out. Someone there, I don't know who, is trying to turn the White Sox games, TV games, into a sports talk radio show. Okay. Now think about this. And you've been on this for a long time. They're all going to do that. Pretty soon <clears throat> they'll all do that. Well, because you're, especially at TV, you're watching the game. I you, know. You don't need a guy to tell you, there's a ground ball to second. I know. Uh, pick it up over the first. I oh, know. they got him. But something happened then later in the week. So I'm watching the Sox on Monday. And first thing they do is, uh, you know, making all their uh, wisecracks. Okay. And keep it moving. You can just tell. You know, they're trying to do sports talk radio. Here's poll questions, all right? But they're not sports poll questions, Fred. This was Monday, White Sox, Monday night. What is the one, this poll question, what is the one item you have at home that if it broke would make you sad or cry? Yep. It's called Quick Question, brought to you by some sponsor. Then they go to the celebrity line. Remember my old song? Celebrity Uh line ringing? This is during the game. You know who was on? White Sox AAA catcher Zach Collins. Yep. Right before James McCann hit a home run. Very good. Uh Uh-huh. How do you remember this stuff? I I got nothing else to do. Let the record show we don't talk about anything in the pre-show love fest. Uh Uh-uh. So, I'm usually busy watching, getting ready to watch soccer. By the way, Bayern Munich and uh, Borussia Dortmund go down to the final weekend next week. Miss a little, miss a lot. Uh-huh. So they're interviewing with a picture of them, you know, a triple A, their triple A catcher, cool, Zach Collins. All right, whatever. It's like sports talk radio. Who gets a concussion the next day and <laughs> yes, is out he now. Did. Yeah. So all of a sudden, like you say, there's a home run. They'd interrupt him. Oh, scared. They didn't even say to him, home run, home run. Oh, wow. And then they come back and say, hey, Zach, it was a home run. What'd you think of that? And it turns out to be the catcher that Zach Collins is hoping someday to replace. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. So what else? I know what well, it is. Well, last week they had the... Uh... They had the Winston Salem manager asking them about how the players are doing. They're running interviews during the, uh, during the game. The next pitch. Yeah. I, so I just say this: you know what? 
I guess sports talk radio guys make it look so easy, right? They just tell Stone and Benetti, do it! Do a sports talk radio show! Pretend that you're co-hosting a sports talk radio show. Well, here's one problem. Steve Stone, he's not entertaining, and he's the least funny person you'll ever meet in the world. Jason, I feel sorry for him in this sense. He's he's probably a terrific, you know, play-by-play guy. Just let him do play-by-play. They're telling these guys, be funny. Come on, keep it moving. Interact, entertain. Freddie, we've often talked about it. I'm no good at this. It's very hard to do comedy on the radio. No, it's impossible. If Entertainment. You're... It's very difficult. People think they're funny, and being funny is not easy. So Tuesday, I'm watching the Cub game at night. Uh-huh. Miami, it's 2-2. Two to two. It's a fourth inning. Len Casper, and I guarantee you they told him to do this. He says, let's do a joke of the day. I'm going, What? I remember the ratings came out Monday, and I don't think they were good. Yeah. Let's let's do a joke of the day. And Len says, continues, he goes, let's do a joke. Now, it won't be every day. And they go, this ought to be good. I'm going to watch. And Len Kasberg says, why did the invisible man not take the job after he passed the interview? Because he couldn't see himself doing the job. Blind man couldn't see himself doing the job. I don't even know if that's politically correct these days, but whatever. I'm not here to police all that. Choke of the day. And then, then they triggered. Do I still have my rim shot? Where's my rim shot? Do you see the rim oh, shot? Oh, did they really? E11. There, there it is. They're doing drop-ins now. I'm thinking it's sports talk radio. Thank you, Eric. Well, you know, I was I, I heard that. What are they doing? I heard that. <clears throat> and at the time, I, I tweeted immediately. I said, see if I can find it really quickly. I said, oh, no. I said, Len and J.D. now. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Oh, no. Len and J.D. starting to tell jokes. They don't want to sound like that other broadcast team, do they? They've been told to do this. Oh. And the rim shot was about 45 seconds later, Fred, on another follow-up type joke. So you were right Something about base. But they did do it, though. Yeah, it was yeah. something about base. Now, did you, and I, I texted you last night. So Friday, the Cubs game and the Sox game, I believe on the same network feed outlet. Uh-huh. Did you notice? I did. The Sox game was serious yesterday. I heard very little, if any, of the yuck-yucks. Very little of any of the uh, peripheral, we gotta be funny, entertaining. And the Cubs, they were very serious yesterday also. Small ant, small sample size. I think someone said, you know what? Let's present our product, and sink or swim on what we do best, baseball. You know, it's really difficult, though. It's really difficult to be funny when your team's losing. So maybe that had something <laughs> to do with it, too, because the Sox were losing from right off the bat, and the Cubs were trailing and couldn't score. So maybe yesterday was a reason that uh, neither wanted to be very funny. Time to take a break. Vote now. Uh, Twitter poll is, should the live local sports TV have their reporters and commentators placed right in front of live crowds at Wrigley Field, guaranteed rate, United Center, yes or no. Bears talk, top of the hour, Larry Mayer, busy day, Murph and Fred, CSPN 1000. One, two, three, four. Busy day, glad you are with us. Hope you're having a great Saturday, Murph and Fred, till uh, noon 30 today, and then we'll throw it to a network feed of the Cubs and the Brewers at Wrigley Field. We might, uh, if you miss Jesse, miss Little Miss a lot, throw a little Jesse back in for you around that time. And Fred, we've always said this also. You know, and you said it first. You've said this for years. Uh, 
Which is weird for someone in the broadcast industry to not like broadcasts. Well, but, but you've always you know. said in general, and then tie it in here. Yeah. You know, you're never going to get a certain uh, group of quote-unquote young fans or old fans if they don't like baseball. Speed it up, this and that. Right. Time jumps over the moon. They're never going to watch. No. So you also have to tie it in to broad to broadcast a telecast, don't you think? You know, don't alienate. The people that, that are, are watching, watching <laughs> yeah. to try to draw people that aren't going to watch. Uh, Eric says, "Go to Paul in Lake Forest." Uh, Paul Murph and Fred, hi, go. Murph and Fred, another great show. As far as your poll question, you, you have to be naive to to not know that the Cubs, uh, the station welcomes even bad publicity in the background. Any publicity is good publicity nowadays. It's pitiful. But the real reason why I called was. I haven't listened to a sporting event that I've been watching at home in a good four or five years. Played all the sports. If something's controversial, I'll hit mute. You can't even listen to a Bears game. They interrupt. Tom Thayer goes to talk about the game, and you can hear him hesitating as they're whispering in his ear to go to the ad. Well, let's do this. Stand the phone. Let's just stick to uh, the topic here, the uh, baseball. You turn down the sound when you watch uh, baseball. Is that uh, oh, for good four or five years? Why? Tell us why. Tell us exactly why again. I think that the guys on TV are total shills, and they don't really bring anything to the broadcast. Well, they really... are paid by the team, so shilling is understandable. But Except what... Kurt. You can never understand him. But what about, what about uh, you know, the White Sox uh, mathematics and Len Casper's doing joke of the day? I mean, that's, that's really pushing the envelope even for a guy like me. It's brutal pandering to an uneducated audience. Thank you, Paul. But again, in defense, not, well, that, not yeah. that they need our defense. They're being told to do this. Well, and a lot of times, and, you know, it, it was funny because for the longest time, you would hear Steve Stone and Eddie Olchek does it a little bit with hockey. You know, for all you little young hockey players out there, for all you young baseball players yeah. out there, and explains things. Yeah. And, you you know, that, that actually pays off That's sometimes right. when you have younger people watching the game. Um, yeah, heck, Tim McCarthy. Carver used to do it back in the day and uh, describe the game. And that's what the color commentator is there for, to describe the game and things like that. So I don't have a, as much of a problem with some of that. It's just I, I, I'm pretty much the same way the caller was because I won't have the sound on. But if there's a questionable play or a replay, I'll turn the sound back up mm. or take it yeah. off a of mute and listen to see what it was and things like that. And uh, because I'm just not. And entertain. Any other you know, you know, question from the movie Gladiator? Are you not entertained? No, I'm not entertained. See, in TV, when uh, ratings aren't uh, what they should be, weird things can happen with the uh, uh, telecast. Well, like, let's do this. Here's here's the problem, though, and all forms of media have the same problem. You should never alienate the people that are buying your newspaper, <laughs> watching your TV, or listening to the radio station. Yeah, bingo. Getting them, getting more people to watch, yeah. it's kind of difficult when you're already talking to the people that are listening or watching or reading. You know, all the only way you can lose them is by alienating them, and some people are doing that. I it's was, not like someone's going to say, you know, they go to the Sox math. I might tune in. I was in sales for 27 years, not related to broadcasting, radio, TV, nothing like that. And the boss, the owner said, for every account you lose, you got to put two or three new ones on to replace it. I go, what do you mean? Because, because the new ones will never be as large, usually, as the one you lost. 
So, you know, you lose uh, a Fred Hubner. Right. I watch, he might, you might watch 162 games. Yeah. You might got to put two, three new people on to just equal what you did. And how difficult is it to get new listeners and new viewers? That's go. really impossible when you don't broadcast very much. And the only the time you do flash. broadcast is on the same game. Bears talk next. Larry Mayer, Bears.com, ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000, live from the first Midwest Bank Studios on State Street, WMVP Chicago. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Our number three, Murph and Fred, usually till noon, 12.30 today as we bring you Cubs Brewers baseball. Yeah, I'll lead you right up to the Cubs and the Brewers here on ESPN 1000. It'll be Cole Hamels and Zach Davies. Hey, you got the lineups. Want the lineups really quickly for the Northsiders? Well, I want the lineups also because he's listening now on the uh, Larry Mayer wants to hear the lineups too. Oh, Larry's a big Cub fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jason Hayward at right, Chris Bryant at third, Anthony Rizzo at first, Javi Baez at short, Wilson Contreras catching. Oh, got a little Pat Hughes in you. It's huh? Kyle Schwarber in left, David Bodie at second base today, uh, Albert Almora is in center field, and Cole Hamels. On the hill, he's gotten tons of run support. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. He'll need it today against Zach Davies. You guys are talking baseball. I love it, but how about a little Bears talk? Sounds good to us. Let's go to ChicagoBears.com. Does a great job there, Larry Mayer. Now on with Murph and Fred. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, guys. How you guys doing? Well, we're doing fine. Uh, was that uh, Cubs uh, lineup uh, okay uh, for you, or did you want to make any last-minute changes there? No, I kind of like it. Uh, <laughs> Hayward's turnaround this year has really been tremendous. Very impressed with that. Didn't think it was going to happen at one point, but I, I love to see the way he's hit. Yeah, you know what? Hayward hits the ball so well to center. I mean, both a little bit left yeah. center, right center, center field, and uh, he's been hitting the ball. And uh, I don't know if it's one hundred eighty-four million dollars worth, but you know he's hitting the ball, and that's that, that's okay. Well, it's, it's not a lot better than grounding out to the second baseman. I'll tell you that. Oh, it sure is. Gotta love Larry. Yeah, there. they decided not to change his number to forty-three. <laughs> yeah, ground wow. out to second, four to three. Exactly right. Yeah. All right, let's talk a little beloved, a little Bears, Larry Mayer, ChicagoBears.com, and I want to talk a little bit about the one hundredth celebration uh, coming up in Rose. Uh, I will do that in a few minutes. But, Larry, a uh, really interesting piece by uh, this morning uh, by our, uh, uh, our buddy Larry P- uh, uh, Potash. Mark Potash. I'm sorry, Mark. Mark Potash. Larry Potash, the yeah. guy in Channel 9. I don't know where that yeah. came from. Yeah. I used to go shopping at Potash Brothers uh, Grocery Store over at Clark Street, so I'm all goofed up today. But Mark well, that's P- his dad's place, you know. I so. know, I yeah. know. <laughs> Give a little a little plug. So, uh, Mark Potash today had a, a great piece talking about the Bears, and he's one of our favorite guys, Mark is. But he talked about Ryan Pace and the relationship 
that he's sort of had now since being the Bears GM uh, with the New England Patriots, going back to the uh, uh, Martellus uh, uh, Bennett trade back in March of 16. And in general, I had never thought that much about the relationships between, you know, one GM and another GM. Uh, maybe not specific on this, but in general, because then they traded with New, you guys traded with New England again, you know, uh, draft day. But, you know, how important is that? Or is uh, that something that is, uh, you know, has to be developed? What, what are your thoughts looking in over the years and specifically now on that topic, Larry? Well, I think it is something that develops over the years, and it is important, Murph. And I believe Ryan's made five or six trades with the New England Patriots since he became Bears general manager in 2015, including the Martellus Bennett trade that you mentioned, but also a couple of draft trades the last couple of years. And it does help when you develop those kind of relationships. I know the Bears have had some trades with the Rams as well. So uh, I'm not sure about other sports, but in football, that kind of cohesiveness with other teams, especially when you're on the clock and you have to get a deal done quickly, uh, is very important, and Ryan Pace is taking advantage of that. Well, you think about it, too. One of the guys on defense is a guy that was originally with New England, and now the Bears have him, and he's one of the studs on defense, is Akeem Hicks. I mean... Uh, right, I, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, without that's Akeem... Guy, go ahead. But I was going to say, that's a guy, actually, that you look at Ryan Pace, if you want to talk about Ryan Pace, Ryan Pace brought him into the league, Akeem Hicks, when Akeem Hicks was a player coming out of Regina, Canada, right. as a college player, and the New Orleans Saints drafted him. Um, in the third round uh, several years ago, he, you know, obviously Pace followed him to New England, and then he signed him. The Patriots wanted to sign Akeem back, but Akeem chose the Bears, and obviously he's really developed and blossomed into a Pro Bowl player. And I'm sorry for cutting you off there. No, 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 that's fine. I, I was going to ask you, by the way, if the team has asked you or any of the other uh, people that work over at ChicagoBears.com, if, in fact, you guys can kick field goals. Because it seems like when they had the rookie uh, minicamp, they asked just about everybody else with the eight guys coming in, and they brought two guys over, and now they signed another guy. This kicker situation has taken on a life of its own, hasn't it? It has, but, I mean, you certainly can't blame them. They're doing a very thorough job of evaluating every option out there. And the thing I love about it is that they don't mind bringing in eight guys and you know four of them are only tryout guys, four of them are on the roster. Now the Bears have three. But the thing about Ryan Pace is you know he's on he talks about leaving no stone unturned and he really is going to be doing that by you know looking at trades, looking at signing guys and as we saw last week he acquired a kicker from the Raiders uh, via a trade named Eddie Pinheiro who I mean, I think it's a great move because you trade a seventh-round conditional pick right. um, in, in two years from now. So really, the only way you even give up a seventh-round pick is if he's on your roster for five five games. So if, if he's not your kicker, it doesn't cost you anything. So I think it's a great move to bring in this kid. And this kid is pretty pretty accurate and uh, he's got a strong leg. He made 29 out of his last 30 kicks to Florida, including his last 16. And in his last year, though, he was 17 of 18. He was pretty good from beyond 50 yards, too. So he's an interesting guy to look at. And uh, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears also consider maybe something they're going to cut at the end of training camp. But they know they want to get this right. They have to get it right. It's important to get it right. And it's determined to do anything they have to do it. 
You know what the other thing is? And no matter how hard you work and no matter how much you try to break it down and get the best person, last year in the playoffs, both Goskowski and Vendetieri missed field goals. So, I mean, you, exactly. could, you could have the best kicker all year long, and he might still miss the 43-yarder when you need it. There, there's almost nothing you can do uh, for that situation. But obviously, the Bears and uh, Ryan Pace are trying to do everything they can do to get the best guy that they can possibly get. Yeah, you know, the kicker position is very tricky. And when, when you were talking about that, Gary Anderson's the first guy that comes to mind. If you remember, he had a perfect season with the Vikings when they were 15-1. and one, And then he missed a field goal in, in the NFC Championship game that probably would have sent the Vikings to the Super Bowl. The Falcons went instead. So that happens all the time. I remember even in, when the Bears were in the Super Bowl against the uh, Indianapolis Colts, and Terry missed a real easy kick at yep. the end of the first half. So it does happen, but you just you have to find the guy that you think is going to have the best opportunity to be your guy. And it's really a physical and mental position when you're talking about the kicker position. And really, if you look at the history, you don't have to draft the guy. And I looked at the top 16 kickers last year, and most of them were guys that had entered the league as undrafted free agents and were not with their original team, wow. which I thought was interesting. It was almost like they didn't get an opportunity or maybe they failed at their first spot, and then they went somewhere else and did well. So it was kind of interesting to see that, and uh, really, you know, you look at like someone like Justin Tucker, who's probably considered the number one kicker in the league, right. and he entered the league with the Ravens as an undrafted free agent, so it's not necessarily a guy you have to get as a draft pick. I think we saw that a few years ago with a kid from Florida State that kind of flamed out, but uh, it's probably the most tricky position to get right in the league. Ryan Pace is leaving no stone unturned, I agree, but... Has he contacted Mongo McMichael? He's still got the square toe straight ahead to kick, I understand. <laughs> I don't think he has. I do remember Mongo kicking a, a kickoff and I believe an extra point yes. in a preseason game with the Bears. <laughs> yes. He has not contacted. If you want to throw you know, straight toe kickers out there, I have to mention Fred Mitchell, of course, my old buddy. Oh, yeah. Um, Freddie yeah, might be listening right now. Fred either. <laughs> but I, I can tell you one thing. If Ryan thought that those guys would help, he would contact Oh, him. yeah. Oh, Ryan, yeah. Ryan knows, Ryan knows that the Bears need to get this right, and he's not hiding from it. Matt Nagy's not hiding from it. He talks about it at every press conference, and uh, they're determined to get it right. And I really love to see that type of attitude. Larry Mayer at uh, ChicagoBears.com. Uh, the 100th uh, birthday celebration uh, coming up. I want to hear more about that. Real quick, back to the draft. Larry, the uh, second overall pick for the Bears, Riley Ridley. The uh, right. fourth round, number 126. This intrigues me. Uh, from the outside looking in, and that's just me, I never liked the old expression, best man available on the board. You know, it seemed to me, you know, like first round, second round, like maybe a cop out or, you know, or just double talk. But this right. is intriguing. I get the feeling and, you know, there's been talk, but uh, that, uh, you know, they never had any thought, the Bears, that Riley Ridley would fall to number, you know, 126 fourth round wide receiver out of Georgia. And you almost say, I can't believe the best man available by a long shot. And that's not to discredit, in fact, uh, Ridley, it's to say how lucky this might be for the Bears that he did fall. And do you get the feeling that that was a, a big surprise that a wide receiver was, uh, you know, the second uh, pick for the Bears? 
Well, I think a lot of people were surprised, but it's this perfect example, like you mentioned, the best player available. Because they had Riley Ridley up in the ranks on the board, and all the guys around him, basically, their magnets were coming off the board. He was kind of just staring them right in the eyes right there because he was the last guy up there. He was, by by a wide margin, their top-rated guy when they came up on the, on the board at, in the fourth round. And a lot of people say, well, you know, they're not going to take a wide receiver because it's probably one of their deepest positions. But really, that's the way mm-hmm. you build a successful team is just by gathering as many good football players as possible. And this is a kid who really did well at Georgia, and I'm really interested to see how he performs in the NFL. He considered uh, an excellent route runner. Um, his brother is Calvin Ridley, who's helped him with that. And uh, real nice kid, real humble kid, and uh, real hard worker. Just from meeting with him and talking to him at LSL in the last couple of weeks, so. It's going to be interesting to see how he fits in and what type of role cool. he can kind of forge out with a, with a, at a deep position. You know, you look at the running back position, and last year, it's not that the Bears were hamstrung with the, with the position. You know, with Jordan Howard and with Tariq Cohen, and you figure, okay, they're doing pretty well. Uh, Howard, since being a fifth-round pick, actually had come in and done a pretty good job running the ball and doing some things. But were you surprised not only that they moved Howard, uh, which maybe wasn't the biggest surprise, but how they've completely almost redone the running back position, picking up Mike Davis and then drafting Montgomery. And then even this guy, I, I always say his name right, is it Kareth White uh, drafting him right. late in the seventh round? I mean, it seems like if you're fast and you can play one of these positions, they're going to run you in and out and keep everybody guessing on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I'm really not surprised, Fred. Um, I think what they wanted together, Matt Nagy's offense really likes he likes to have versatile playmakers. You can line up anywhere on the field and also guys that are explosive. You can make huge plays when they have the ball in their hands. And I think the perfect example of that is Tariq Cohn. He's a guy that can line up pretty much anywhere, and he's dangerous every time he gets the ball in his hands. And I think they wanted to add more players like that. And David Montgomery, the one thing that impressed me most, and obviously at a, at a non-contact minicamp, you're not going to be handing off the ball a lot, and he's not breaking tackles. That's supposedly his number one asset, and we'll have to wait to see that, obviously, in the preseason. But his pass-catching ability really impressed me. This is a kid who I, I watched, ran some swing passes, and he was pretty much picked the ball right off the ground. But then he made a catch down the sideline of a long pass, a diving catch that if you saw an NFL Pro Bowl receiver make that catch, you would be impressed. It's really nothing I've seen a rookie running back do on the, on the practice field. So that's got, he's got a lot of skills in that set aspect of the game. It's going to be interesting to see. Kareth White is just a guy that was at Florida Atlantic. He was kind of in the shadow of Devin Singletary there. But he's a guy that's very fast. He was clearly the fastest guy in the field at any campus. He's got a lot of intriguing traits that we'll have to wait to see. But uh, I wasn't surprised they made these moves. But again, they just added more playmakers to Matt Nagy's offense. Always great to visit with Larry Mayer, ChicagoBears.com. Larry, it's amazing now, the 100 years. It's hard to believe. It was 1919. I was a water boy uh, back in Decatur. I, I was working at the soybean plant, you know, Staley's uh, Soybeans. And right. I was, uh, you know, shagging the balls and uh, uh, had the water bottle. Well, we didn't have water bottles. And I had like a metal bucket and a, and a uh, you know, ladle. And the guys would drink the water. But 100 years, it's an amazing run, uh, a, a, a fantastic story. And what will be the uh, running theme uh, this year? The, of course, the 100th 
celebration. I saw George. I can't call him that because I never met him. George McCaskey, but he seems like your next door neighbor. He's so wonderful, uh, you know, on TV and, and uh, interviews. And, and George McCaskey was on uh, during the Cub game up in the booth with Len and uh, uh, Jim Deshaies. And he's just so big Cub fan. He was, he was rooting. He was more worried about the Cub game than talking about. So we'll let you tell us, tell us about the 100th celebration and Rosemont and uh, what's going on, Larry? Well, you know, first of all, George is a huge Cubs fan. I always talk about the Cubs. Fan. <laughs> yes. I'm a little disapp- I'm a little disappointed he didn't sing the seventh inning stretch. I'll have to ask him about that. But <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, the Bears 100 celebration is June 7th through 9th in Rosemont. Pretty much, it's going to be like the past and present. The entire 2019 team is going to be there. All the Bears Living Hall of Famers are going to be there. So it's really a unique event because it's the largest gathering of current football players, of Bears players of all time. And the thing that's interesting to me is that, um, unlike some of these autograph shows, you pay one fee and it's free autographs once you get in. So, you know, you pay the fee, you get in, and then it's free autographs as many as you want. Um, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be some panels where they're having, like, Mitch Trubisky and Jim McMahon together. Then they're going to have another one with the Hall of Fame middle linebackers, Dick Buckus, Mike Singletary, and Brian Erlacher. Wow. They're going to have a panel of the 85 Bears, another one with the 63 Bears. Um, Dick is going to be there, Sayers. They're going to have all the 28 Hall of Fame spots from Canton are going to be there, so that's going to be interesting. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. And if you're a Bears fan, I think it's really a can't-miss event because, like I said, I can't imagine another event. This isn't something that's going to be happening every year. This is a once-in-a-lifetime type of deal at the uh, Donald E. Stevens Connection Center, and I will be there too, Mark. Yes. <laughs> well, and I actually heard, besides you being a hard guy to book, that the hardest guy <laughs> to book was, and also he wanted money for his autograph, was Tom Waddle, which was shocking to me that, that Tom Waddle would hold out on something like this. Well, I think you're just saying that because <laughs> you're a teammate of his on Radio SPN 1000. But <laughs> I, 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 it's funny because I did, I did a top uh, undrafted free agents of all time in Paris history, and he was number six, so. I'm hoping that he was appreciative of that and he doesn't think he should be higher. But uh, I love watching Tom Waddle and I love listening to him. And I'm sure he'll be there too. He's probably just happy he's on the list, knowing Tommy. <laughs> no, he, he was a great player. I mean, yes, he, he was. Cut of, as you guys know, a million times, a hard worker. He made some of the greatest catches in practice that I've ever seen where it just looked like he had magnets in his hands. And uh, well, he did. Really, he's a very humble guy. He'll never talk about himself. <laughs> but he was a great player. He did. Uh, he, yeah. he was more than a finance degree at Boston College. He also, you know, <laughs> stopped, by, stopped by and wanted to say, how can I catch the ball better? Here you go. Try these things. Yeah, stick them. What's that? What's that stick them? Is that still legal? The, uh, now, you know, it wasn't. It looked like he was playing with it, but he, he never did. He just said, great. Right. Right. Now, the uniform, the famous Bears uniform, and you're going to have the 100th, uh, you know, celebration anniversary patch. But now I've heard George McCaskey say this a couple times. First, I thought it was joking. Now I think he's serious. He said, so, like you mentioned, Dick Butkus and the and the, this Mike Singletary, number one, uh, 51 and number 50. And then uh, uh, the boss said, well, for the 100th, we're putting the number one in front. So is it true or not? I'm trying to figure this out. Will Dick Butkus be wearing number one? 50, 150, and uh, Singletary, 151. I don't know. Is he pulling out a leg, or is this going to happen? No, I believe that was an April Fool's joke. Okay, I fell for it. All of these, all of these <laughs> Chicago Bears uh, platforms. And it was kind of a fun little thing that we did, and uh, 
kind of makes you think. I don't. I, I think they they should put Staley on Underdog. I know he has zero zero. Yes, on yes. Side, so <laughs> they should at least do that. But well, that would I mean, make sense. Think about it. I mean, it's kind of a rare and unique and unprecedented thing. Think about it. One family has owned the sports team for all well, one hundred years yeah. of the sport. I don't. You know, I may not know a lot about hockey or that. I can't imagine that's true with any other sport in North America. Fifty years, uh, Mr. McCaskey mentioned fifty years at Wrigley Field, and uh, coming up fifty now is at Soldier Field. Uh, so, th- except for those couple at Champagne, right? Or that, yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that, right? Right. Well, the Bears played one, yeah, one, one year, year yeah, two thousand and two, and then I believe the next preseason in two thousand and three before going into the new Soldier Field. But yeah. At one point, Wrigley Field was the answer to the trivia question: which uh, which American stadium had hosted the most NFL games? I wow. believe uh, a couple, maybe the Giants Stadium surpassed that because they have two teams. Yeah, there, that's not Wrigley fair. Wrigley Field was the answer at one point. <laughs> yes. That, but. Now, Larry and Fred, you guys are too young. The greatest ever place when I was a little kid to go to a sporting event. A Bears game at Wrigley Field. I I can't even paint the picture. The worst seat in the house. You were looking right down. I'd be on left field bleachers a little bit near the end. Uh, they used to put folding chairs down near the where the third base dugout was, so Mister Hallis could get a few extra fannies in the seats. I had a folding chair right. 10, 10, 15 feet from the uh, sidelines, about the five-yard line. Here comes Night Train Lane of the Detroit Lions, almost landed in my lap. Anywhere at Wrigley Field, you guys have never been there, Fred or Larry, have you, for a Bears? No. No, no the Bears moved when I was about five. I'm going to say oh. my first Bears game was in Soldier Field when I was eight years old. Oh. So I've heard great things about <laughs> it, though, and I love watching the old highlights. Yes. Especially how the end zone is pretty much about an inch away from the stand. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there were rumors that the, those end zones weren't even 10 yards wide because they had a fitted in at the stadium. But uh, a lot of interesting history there with the Bears, like you said, playing there since 1920. Let me throw out a, uh, a fact right for you, Mark. Yeah, you yeah. probably will enjoy. The Bears are actually, Wrigley Field was not their home until 1921 because they played the 1920 season in Decatur. But they played the Chicago Tigers at Wrigley Field twice. In 1920, so the Bears are two and zero as the visiting team. <laughs> at Field. A good one. I never heard there that. There you go. The uh, field ran uh, north and south. The uh, south end zone was where the uh, first base visitors dugout basically is now. Still, the north end zone was tucked right up to the uh, left field wall near where Jason Hayward's home run by the curve of the of the well, as they call it, the other day. The north end zone, I believe, was ten yards, but it was about two feet from the wall. They put padding there so you didn't go head first into there. But you're right, Larry. The south end zone was butted up to the angle of the wall where the visitor's dugout is and the uh, east end of the south by the right field corner if you can imagine was about seven yards and and then it sort of hopscotched eight yards as it moved towards home plate nine yards and then ten yards and guys would just go sliding right into that thing and hit the wall it was unbelievable i don't think osha or the nfl would allow that these days but back then they were just happy to be filling up the joint right (laughs) absolutely there's the old story about bronson mcgursky when he ran broke about three tackles and ran right into the brick wall on left center field 
Palace when he came off the field. He said, "Great run." He said, "Yeah, that last guy gave me a hell of a shot, though." <laughs> nice, nice. There you go. Check out Larry Mayer, ChicagoBears.com. Larry, I always appreciate a few minutes of your busy time. Go Bears, go Cubs, go Bears. Thank you, Larry. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Okay, I really thanks, Larry. It. See you later. Yeah, that, that 100 <laughs> celebration sounds great oh. for people. I've seen some of the billboards with Ditka on the billboard. 100 celebration uh, coming up uh, June 7th through the 9th yeah. up in Rosemont and uh, at Donnelly Stevens. And some of the things he was breaking down. And mm-hmm. the nice part, too, is you know what you, you pay the fee to get in, and boom, that's it. Autographs are free. And uh, I, Tommy's already practicing. Waddle's already practicing that signature for that day, I'm sure. That'd be number 187. Yeah. I thought for I thought they were going to put the one in front of the numbers. <laughs> well, they're going to have it. There's yeah. no doubt there'll be a patch for the 100. Got a quick soundbite here before we take a break. Uh, Ryan Pace, oh, about a week ago, talking about the Bears' first uh, draft pick this year. Uh, not uh, first round, of course, but uh, round three. David uh, Montgomery. Montgomery, and he is the uh, load back, three down back, and shifty. Well, well, here's Ryan Pace. He's just a overall very well-rounded running back. So the first thing that jumps out is his instincts and vision. He's got unbelievable instincts and vision. Um, he's got ability. Uh, you know, I said this in the in the press conference, but there can be he could be running through the A or B gap in a very tight window. Inside linebackers coming downhill, and he still has the ability to make a guy miss in a really small area like that, which I think is unique especially for a bigger back. So he's got that elusiveness, uh, you know, kind of when it's in the trash. Uh, and then his contact balance. He consistently breaks tackles, not only breaks the tackles, but then he has a balance to keep his feet and continue on for positive yards. Um, he's got really good hands out of the backfield. He's a good route runner. Uh, he's good in pass pro. Um, and then his football makeup is off the charts. So he really checks a lot of boxes for us. All right, great stuff there. Everybody loves their draft picks. Yep, sure Every they do. fan does, but hopefully all the hopefully all the fans will love them as the year goes <laughs> on too. He sounds he sounds yeah. good, but uh-huh. we we have learned over the years we will find out. But boy, it sounds good. Hey, we're gonna take a break. Normally, Murph and Fred till noon. We're gonna stick around till twelve thirty. Miss a little, miss a lot. We'll replay some of Jesse Rogers was with us a couple hours ago as we lead up to Cubs Brewers at twelve thirty. Vote right. Right now, we have a couple of Twitter polls. We'll have the results when we return. Last chance for you to vote right now. Number one, uh, why is it that the Cubs this morning lead the National League in run differential? Uh, they're, they're plus 50 runs. Right. I think most people know now that means you know more runs scored than you've allowed or vice versa. Uh, ABC, why do the Cubs lead the NL in run differential? A, pitching. B, hitting. C, well, sort of a 50-50 combo. And uh, another, uh, please vote at ESPN 1000. Whoop, there it is. Cup fans, everybody. Whoop, there it is. It's still being used uh, uh, at Wrigley Field after home runs. A, I love it. B, lose it. Back in a flash, ESPN 1000. Having a great Saturday. I'm Mike Murphy. He's Fred Hubner. And uh, we're about an hour away from 
Baseball. Baseball. That's right. Cubs and Brewers, uh, national feed, if that's the uh, old-fashioned word. I don't know what you call it now. The ESPN broadcast. There you go. Yeah, the ESPN broadcast. Like uh, here's John Shambi and Chris Singleton. Oh, I like mistaken. those guys. They're good. They're yeah. Good. Uh, Cubs starting lineup. We're going to have that momentarily. That is in. Uh, the Cubs right now tied for first. They lose uh, to the Brew Crew. They've now lost uh, 11 of the last 15 games with the Brewers, including uh, the what, Fred, the tiebreaker. Yeah. Oh, yeah, boy. that's not good. No, no. So Cubs and Brewers in a dead heat. Cubs have played four fewer games. Cubs have activated uh, Xavier Cedeno, a left-handed pitcher. Yeah. Alan Webster goes on the uh, injured mm-hmm. list. Yeah. Uh, Yelich with a five-game hit streak, but, you know, it's amazing. I'm pretty sure, I think all of his homers this year are hit in, in Milwaukee. He has one road homer. Does he have one? Yeah. So he's 15-1. Yeah. and one. yeah. So. Well, Baez has one homer to left field, I believe. Oh, yeah. They're on the center and Apo, right? Yep. yep. Did you know Ernie Banks had 512 home runs in his career, never hit one to right field? That doesn't surprise me. Because he was just a whip. He'd whip right. it, he had the whip, the whip. The whip with they his never, wrists. They never talked about hitting the other direction. Uh, I don't know, think he could. In baseball. See, the way his swing was? Right. They'd probably, especially when his wheels went bad, he'd be one of those few right-handed hitters like Pools. Now where they do the uh, severe shift. Yeah, pull, the pull opposite shift. shift yeah. The other way. Yeah. One of your favorite players, uh, Carlos Pena, showed about the, uh, uh, was talking about the uh, shift on MLB Central yesterday. Uh, talking about basically, if you look at it, Joey Gallo's not as bad as people think. I know. Average wise. I know. And, and think of the ball, think about the ball Jason Hayward hit yesterday. He got thrown out from medium right field. It was a rocket there shot a that he hit the right field. Schwarbs does that a lot too. Yeah, and and you know it's because of the shift. Yeah, and hey, that's the way it is in baseball. And what what Carlos Pena was trying to show was that they don't shift like that on right feet on right handed hitters because there's he but, said basically you uh, need a, you need to throw to the cutoff man well, to get the ball yeah. to the first base. Right, the throws about two hundred feet. Yeah, it's right. crazy. Oh yeah. So it it is a disadvantage to left handed hitters. Yeah. But you know what? Years ago when we played in the schoolyard at Goodwin, you can't. We're not shifting. You got to learn to hit it this way. So the guys that played it with us at Goodwin, they could have hit in the big league. Well, Forrest Rudd. Yep. Great school. We uh-huh. just put a bicycle out in right center and uh, go right field out. That's right. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, you got the uh, lineups in from Wrigley Field there, Fred. So speaking of Jason Hayward, he'll be leading off for your Chicago Cubs. I uh, played right field. Chris Bryant's back at third base. You got Anthony Rizzo at first. Baez at short. Contreras behind the plate. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is hitting sixth in left field. Then you have David Bode at uh, second base. Uh, Albert Almora center field and Cole Hamels is pitching. Mm-hmm. It'll be Cole Hamels against Zach Davies. Davies is uh, oh, yeah. off to it. Davies has a 156 ERA. It's the second best in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. First best is Chris Paddock, the uh, rookie uh-huh. with uh, San Diego. Oh, so yeah. uh, he is uh, pitching very, very well. So uh, vote right now. If you have a moment, we'll have the results soon. Last chance. To uh, all aboard. That's what they used to yell when the train would be leaving. Right. All aboard. And my Chicago White Sox actually oh. uh, play later on today. It's Ivan Nova against Marcus Stroman. That's okay. a two oh seven start. Blue Jays beat the Sox 4-3 yesterday. Sox won for eight with runners in scoring position. Their bullpen, though, three and a third. No runs, two hits. Osich, Burr, Marshall, and Bummer. Hmm. Bummer's actually come up and learned yeah. how to throw strikes. And he's pitched very well since coming up. 
from the minors for the uh, White Sox. So he is uh, a lefty who can actually throw some heat and not walk people. So cool. that, that's a good thing for the future. Uh, vote right now. Uh, whoop, there it is. Did you know how to, I didn't know how to spell that word. Do you know how to spell that word, Fred? It wasn't out of my iPod, so I, I, I don't know how to spell it. I thought, and then uh, EO11 uh, said, well, you know, uh, Murph, I, I think, I thought it was whoop, W-H-O-O-P. That's how I would have spelled it. Yep. Yeah, that's not uh, what. What's the deal? Most people believe it's that, but the song by Tag Team how is nice actually. See how nice he said that. No, most it's people true. think I've... like you. He Murph. didn't say yeah. most old crotchety people. No, not at all. You dope? No, Murph. <laughs> I have gotten to many bar arguments with people about this. Uh-huh. It's, it's by Tag Team, and the song is called Woomp. W H O O M P. Woomp. I like that. You can barely hear the M in there, but it's in there, I guess. I like that. So you win bar bets on this, and then I, what? Well, more like I just get in arguments with people at I, bars about it. I, well, I do too, but not about that. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you one. As someone who owns a restaurant is a restaurant. Would it be restaurant tour? I don't think so. Say it again. Restaurant tour. There's no end. This is the Res- tricky thing. There's How do you no say it. Restaurateur. That's hard to say. Well, it's from the <laughs> Latin for like to restore. From back, you know, when you'd travel twelve miles all day long with a wagon and horses, and there'd be finally a like a public house, which was right so down like, the street at State oh, yeah, Street. Yeah, yeah. Not, right not there, that one, not State that one. Illinois. I think like it a is. hotel, and you could yeah. have the horse. There'd be a stable for the horse. You get some food. You, get some, yeah. you would restore yourself. So these, those became known as the restore. Uh, um, so it's restaurant. a re- restaurateur. restaurateur. Yeah. So everybody <laughs> will say, people that think they're, you know, very, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm a restaurateur. I go, well, then you don't even know what you are because you're a restaurateur. But you can maybe uh, do that, and then people will really get mad at you at the bar. There we go. Another well, you one. Double that one Don't up forget with, that. Take it, go to, whoop, a, go to a restaurant, whoop, and, and then maybe you get a free meal out whoop, of it. Whoop, there it yeah. is. So, See, because if you can get a free meal, then yeah. you can go on the air and talk about it like most broadcasters <laughs> do. So what were the results, the EO11, of uh, poll question number six? Whoop, or whoop, there it is. Uh, it's still being used at the Wrigley Field after home runs. Uh, love it or uh, I'll lose it. And the reason I thought of this, so one of the Cubs hit a homer the other day, and lovely Dan is upstairs. She goes, that. That is so 90s. Why are they doing that 90s? And a drive out in the center field. It's deep, and it is gone. He figured him out. It's 4-1. to one. Yeah, mission accomplished. Like his uh, partner in the Brizzo Corporation, he jumps on that first pitch for his home run like Brian did. Lovely Dana. I can't believe they're playing that thing from the 90s. Whoop, there it is. Yep. So I did a little research, but first let's find out. Did the uh, fans of Chicago sports uh, say that they love it or love it or lose it? Fairly close. Ah. 56% say lose it. 44% say they love it. I did a little research. Don't ask me why. I just did. So I Googled up, whoop, there it is, Wrigley Field. And you know what I found was that in... uh, 
2017, two years ago, the Cubs evidently had a 90s night. You know, like Elvis night. Oh, yeah, sure. 60s night. Oh, the South Side's got a night for everything. <laughs> they Polish had, night, German-American yeah. night, you name it, they've got it. <laughs> they had a, uh, how about a, a German-Irish for me? Do they do both at I once? I don't know. Okay. German-Bohemian, I don't think they do okay. that for me. I just take the All German right. part. I get a bratwurst and a... Uh, English and a Guinness, tea, Irish Guinness, yeah. Guinness, Guinness. Yeah. I like that. A brat and a Guinness. Oh, That'll work. Does that sound good? Yeah. So uh, it turns out that the Cubs did a twenty-seven in twenty seventeen a '90s night and played. Well, there well, it is. There it is, huh? And the fans evidently went nuts and said, "We want more of that. We want more of that." So they're giving more of that, even if they alienate the people that don't want to hear it. And we had a very close uh, result. Well, I do tell you, and I watch all the Cub games and I watch all the White Sox games. Mm -hmm. But I have told you numerous times, especially after wins at Wrigley Field, I cannot turn. It's kind of the same way I feel about uh, one shining moment after the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. As soon as a Cub victory is over, I turn it off. Because the Cubs won? No, because I don't want to hear the song that says the Cubs are going to win today. They've already won. The song is factually incorrect. And it's sung every... The Cubs are going to win today. The game is over. They've won already. Change the song. It's ridiculous. The Cubs have already won today. Do something. Change the lyrics. Can you get Stevie on the phone? Come on. Uh, unfortunately, the man that wrote it has passed. What about when they do the call letters? They're going to keep that on next year? You can yeah, hear it all on I've heard the it. station that doesn't carry us anymore? <laughs> yeah, they probably will. They don't want to. All he had to do is change the lyrics or something. I heard him. I heard him earlier this week singing it. Hey, uh, Ryan Braun. I couldn't turn it off quick enough. Ryan Braun. Murph, what's your beef with Ryan Braun? Thought you'd never ask. So every time you know he gets in the batter's box and he looks down at the plate between and he puts his right arm up. Backward, not right on, his right arm up, like towards the umpire. Like, hold on, Mr. Umpire, I'm getting settled here. I'm... And you know what? There's no time. The umps don't award it. They don't have to. Well, and they don't. Right. So he does it every time, but he's not looking at the pitcher. He's looking at the plate, and he's digging in, and he's got the right arm up, and he's like, you know, time, hold on, hold on. Well, the umps don't grant it as well they shouldn't. By the way, Joe West. He's a terrific home plate umpire, and he was missed a couple. They all did, but he's really good behind the plate. Everything else, you know, it's up for grabs. So, why doesn't a, why don't pitchers, cub pitchers, anybody, when he gets in there and he's looking at the plate, it's a live ball. Just, plays, throw the ball. just wind up and throw the ball yeah. right down the gut. And I'll tell you something else. If they'd have done that yesterday, and Joe West with his little quick trigger, you know what he'd do? He'd ring it up as a strike, even if it weren't. Probably. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, what do I know? I'm just a fan. Take a break, back in a flash, final thoughts. But then at 12 o'clock, we're sticking around, replaying some of Jesse. If you missed it, we're here till 12.30, and then we'll take it right up to uh, Cubs, Brewers, Baseball, ESPN 1000. Busy day. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Little White Sox talk, then back to some Jesse Rogers Cubs talk. Oh, poll question, uh, the only one we haven't paid off yet. Uh, the Cubs do lead the National League in run differential with 50 more runs scored than allowed. That's due to A, pitching, B, hitting, and uh, C, it's sort of 50-50, Eric. 
All right, at the bottom with only 15% is pitching. Mm-hmm. Second is hitting with 38%. And then mm-hmm. 50-50, a mix of both, uh, took it with 47%. Thank you, Eric. You know what I'm doing is, Fred, every uh, couple of weeks, a uh, month, yep. it was 75% uh, the uh, Cubs hitting uh, right. is uh, their strong suit. 25% pitching. I tend to think it's very close. I think 50-50 should be the winner here. Let's look. The Cubs right now in the National League, even though they lead all of uh, run differential, they are third in ERA. Uh-huh. And they are number one in OPS. So they're outstanding in both categories. Number one in the National League in hitting and number three in the National League in uh, pitching. So that goes a long way. Fred, some interesting, uh, well, always interesting, miss a little, miss a lot. Frank Thomas, and he visits us. The Big Hurt. What, once a week on Carmen and Yurko, I believe, right? Uh Uh-huh. Well, the Big Hurt, Frank Thomas, uh, was on with the boys this week, and uh, they're talking about the rebuild. And I got to say, Frank Thomas stepped out. Now, he always does, but this time stepped out big time. Him and Ozzy both do on the NBC uh, pre- and post-game show. They're really good. Talking about the rebuild, I think we want to listen right here. What does Frank say about the rebuild? I look at uh, this offense. I think uh, the rebuilding block is almost over because these guys are flat out hit. This team can compete. It's at the point right now, they got a great back end, two relievers uh, building around this this great offense. They need to just make some decisions in the the middle, middle relief and starting pitching. If they get that uh, together, you can see something special out of this team right now. I'm, I'm, not, the rebuilding phase is over for me. You know, it's been three years of rebuilding. These, this team is competitive. I don't know if, you, if anybody's really watching this team. They can hit with anybody. And when you can hit like this in the major league, you got a chance to get into the playoffs. So at this point, after losing so much over the last three years, we need to fill the holes on the south side and uh, let this team ride out because if the fan base is getting back, they start to fill the ballpark again. And that's what uh, Chicago Southside White Sox baseball is all about. And it's at the point now they need to go forward and not go back. Frank stepping out with uh, uh, Carmen uh, and uh, Yurko. I like I like Frank, but uh, I think he's a little uh, a little off base here. Timing, uh, timing wise, you yeah. Mean, well, with Aloy Jimenez, you, you know, when he comes back, maybe he can hit. They don't have a center fielder that can hit. They don't have a right fielder that can hit. They don't have a second baseman that can hit. Yet, right, um, right. And uh, James McCann has just started hitting out of nowhere. Wellington Castillo can't hit. So re- they really, this is not a team that can hit. They don't bring guys off the bench. Jose Rondon is not a guy that can hit. So once they get a right fielder that can hit, a center fielder that can hit, and a second baseman, Nick Madrigal, that can hit, then maybe they're a team that can hit. But right now, they are not. And the only problem with you with anybody saying that the rebuild is over and they have to win now, that's what got them in this problem in the first place, going on out and trying to get guys to patchwork together a team to, to try to win now. And so I think that's one of the worst things they could possibly do at this point. Then we don't want to hear Yurko earlier this week. All the commentary coming into the season from a lot of the White Sox uh, pundits and experts out there. Well, we're just looking for improvement. Maybe if we could win 74 games, things will be okay. It's not like you guys play in a juggernaut in the American League Central. My question to you is why not? Why can't the White Sox win this division this year? All right, stop the tape. Now... I will say this for your I can agree with Frank. Both. I can agree right. with both. I can agree with me, yeah. which is real easy to agree with me, <laughs> and also agree with Yurko because yeah. of this year. The division. 
Right. Say, now let's take a look right but now. But that doesn't mean anything. Winning the division and not going any further isn't going to help you. The American League Central this morning, Cleveland, four and a half games back in second place. That's what's throwing everything, as we used to say, into the cocked hat. Behind Minnesota. Down. Right. Well, yeah. But Cle- yeah, Cleveland's not in first place. Right. Cleveland's in second place. Minnesota, has, back. Minnesota has the best record in all of baseball. How about that? Yeah, 24 and 12. Yes. That's pretty easy to figure out, even 667. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. 66, two thirds, right. Yeah. Okay, you're right. Yeah. But that's what's throwing everything up in the air. Uh-huh. Cleveland, you know, has long time now been dominant. And when when they fall out of first place, all of a sudden you say, oh, you know, why can't why can't the Sox be Minnesota? They're the one of the one of the worst hitting teams in baseball, the Cleveland Indians, right now. And mm. a lot of it was that Kipnis wasn't playing and Lind- also Lindor. Lindor wasn't playing. Well, uh-huh. they're both back right now. So yeah. you expect that to change around a little bit. They're pitching. The White Sox jumped on Trevor Bauer the other day, but then Carrasco shut him down a little bit. Indians are back in town this week. Jose coming up. Ramirez, he was MVP. Wasn't he last year? If not, he was the best player in the league. I can't remember what yeah, he, who did he won nothing the award. until he hit the home run the other day to win the game. Oh, he's been in the tank. Yeah, he's been terrible. And he was the you know you could argue the best hitter in the uh, yeah. American League last year. Here's one of the White Sox problems yeah. as they're going forward. White through 33 games. White Sox pitchers have 290 strikeouts. That's eighth in the American League. You uh-huh. forget, okay, that's right in the middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. They have 9.09 strikeouts per nine innings. That's sixth in the American League. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. Their strikeout-to-walk ratio is 1.75. That's last in the American League. It's real simple. Throw strikes. Get guys out. You walk people like Dylan Covey did yesterday. You walk five guys, then you give up a home run. I mean, things are going to happen. That's why the White Sox have been losing games, because their guys have been walking everybody. Murph and Fred back in a flash. Replay some Jesse Rogers from 10 o'clock talking Cubs. And how come those yellow bleacher bum helmets are starting to appear every day in the left field bleachers? What's going on? ESPN 1000.